What's the matter, Lemmy? What are you doing? You seem distracted. Lemmy, can I have your undivided attention, please? You have it, Kev. Can I? I don't think I do. You have it. I don't think I do. No, you've got it. Okay, great. Boy, oh boy. Well, here we are. No, here we are. We're having a good time. Look, it's great. Yeah, that's great a nice guest. way to start with you being anal with me. It's <laughs> <laughs> always good. I feel like um, I feel like on this episode we didn't bicker enough, so maybe we should be bickering now. Well, because you know we have we have a, a, a respectable guest yes. coming on that yeah. we don't know. Right, we aren't. We uh, this is the first time we, we had a great time though. We great, had a great time, uh, a great rapport. But John, his name is John Brinkus. Yeah, but he's something that you know, somebody that we respect uh, for the work he's done. We didn't want to come across as bic- a bickering couple. I know, but sometimes it's the fun part, though, isn't it? Sometimes. Um, he's got a big podcast. Just dropping a new podcast called The Brink of Midnight, and um, it's kind of inspirational stories from uh, a lot of very famous people. Yeah, and he's recorded a lot of great and guests already. A lot of great guests already, and. Uh, so you can find it on his podcast, BrinkOfMidnight.com. First episode is Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis, right. It just dropped this week. Just dropped two days yeah. ago. And he's got a bunch of other ones, like Marshawn Lynch and Rob Riggle and mm-hmm. Ryan Leaf, all kinds of folks. Uh, but you may know him from Sport Science. He's the host of Sport Science on ESPN, Yeah, which is also very cool. An awesome. We love that. Right? Awesome little show. And we've, uh, we talked a lot about that with him. Um, but before we jump to him, let's do our uh, plugs. Okay, do it. This week... This week, we will be in Raleigh, North Carolina. What up, Raleigh? May 18th, 19th, and 20th at Goodnight's Comedy Club. May 18th, 19th, and 20th. Should I make my same rally down there joke that I made last week? Yeah, do it. Do it. Just rally down there, everybody. Yeah, come on, Q-Crew. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, and then, then um, in early June, uh, we're going to be in Phoenix. June 8th, 9th, and 10th, we will be at Stand Up Live in Phoenix. Uh, it's a nice big room. We gotta get a lot of true crew out there. True crew, tell your friends. Uh, come see us in Phoenix, everybody, June eighth, ninth, and tenth, and then uh, possibly we'll be in Charlotte the next week. I don't know yet. We're yeah, still working we'll on that. Figure deal, that out. Right? We'll know more. We'll, we'll know, know more. more soon. Um, okay, but uh, that's it. So rally and Phoenix, rally to Phoenix, rally and Phoenix. Um, John Brankus. Let's jump to John Brankus. We had a long, a long and fruitful conversation with him. Very fun. An inspirational conversation with him. Insightful as well. Um, Scientific. Okay. So everybody enjoy. Uh, enjoy John Brekus. Thank you. Now entering Nerdist.com. True it. With a guy named Kevin. True it. And this other guy, Steve. True it. From the TV and the movies. And now this podcast stream. True it. They're going to get chewy. True it. They might even get me. True it. So I'm looking at my phone because like, I have my notes on here. So I don't think I'm being That's okay. I got my notes right I here. I turn but... my phone off so I get no text or email or anything. I make a list. John Brinkus. That's right. Look at this list of shit I have here. I have so much stuff to talk how about. How long is your podcast? Uh, depends how, how it, good it is. Depends how interesting how good it is. Hard <laughs> out? Hard out? No. We usually like an hour, maybe, no. maybe an hour That's and a half. Whatever. How about you? Uh, I'm how good. long is yours? No, how long is yours? Oh, um, anywhere from half hour to an hour and a half. Okay. Depends yeah, yeah. On, it depends on how it's going. It, it depends depa- if people have good stories. Exactly. It depends <laughs> on how, how tight for time we are. But usually it just goes on and on and on. Yeah. Because you know, people love talking about Yeah, that's stuff. the beauty about podcasting is like you start talking and then you're like, holy shit, an hour and a half went by. You exactly. know, and you're like, oh, yeah. okay. So, so uh, John is launching on Monday? Monday, May 15th. Yeah, but we're when when is this will come out May 17th. So, you'll so be we'll you'll be you'll be freshly launched. You will have just launched. We will just But let's introduce. Should we introduce? Yeah. Well, wait, what day <laughs> wait. is it today? Uh today is uh the 17th of May. 
Okay. This this Today podcast. Is the 17th of May. This we podcast. just released Ray Lewis, and you can say right. you heard it, and it's amazing. Although, it's, yeah. Why don't we just release this one tomorrow? Because I, uh, uh, with uh, you know, you want to see how the sausage is made. I was asked yeah. by the publicist. Oh, okay. Gotcha. To release the episode gotcha. after okay. this after things were available because someone's listened. Then they can go find the episode. Let me gotcha. get with the shit, man. Gotcha. Get with the shit. And you can talk about Ray Lewis will be the only episode that's will have been that'll be on there. And right. Ray Lewis is, I mean, what he talks about is you know the the brink of midnight moments in his life. It's not like no none of these guys talk about the catch or the Super Bowl one. Yeah. he's like that. It's some other moment that didn't change my life at all. He's like when I was fourteen and my mother's boyfriend was beating the shit out of her. Right, and I took a deck of cards and threw a card down on the floor. And if it was a jack, I'd do 10 push-ups. And I threw down a card. And if it was an ace, I'd do 11 sit-ups. And yeah. I took a card. He's like, I did thousands of push-ups and sit-ups Holy just shit. to become big enough to threaten the guy that was beating <laughs> my mom shit. to get the fuck out of the house. That's wow. unbelievable. That was That's, I don't have like, one like that. I don't have that don't motivation, have like that. as you no, can see. As you can see. Yeah. But everybody has... Anyways, I, yeah, let's, I have, let's go. My uh, moment is, is... We'll go 30,000 feet and we'll, and, and we'll, and we'll, we'll talk about But uh, Oh, we have to chew first. So our, our podcast is called Chewing It. Chewing It. And so we all chew a little something, but we don't know what you... And you can tell us what you're chewing, but we do, we do a little... Yeah, we, we all chew. Yeah. And then you do a solo chew as our, as our guest. And then you tell us what you're chewing. What okay. you got in your mind, what do you got? What are right. you eating? Right now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you're, just, you know, off the top of your head. What am I eating? Yeah, just something. You know. uh, toothpaste. Okay. I literally br- just brushed my teeth. It was. It's very fresh and minty in here, John. <laughs> it's very, very fresh minty and minty. It's so, so minty in here. It's great. I was trying to put my finger on what cologne you were wearing. And I realized now it's <laughs> toothpaste. It's, it's, called, it's called Colgate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's Love really, it. Yeah. yeah that's Love where it. we went to college. That's where we went to school. Oh, nice. The toothpaste college. There you go. I had a hot dog. I was going hot dog. I uh, went uh, burger, extra pickles. Okay. All right. I'm in a pickly kind of mood. Are you? Why? Why? Salty? I don't know. You, you feel know, salty right now? I've been eating a lot of fried pickles lately, and I just love pickles. Okay. I love fried pickles. Okay. All right. We have a lot of shit to talk about here, so I gotta, let me introduce. Can we introduce? introduce. We'll, get into a couple, we'll get into a couple of fights as time No, no. On, not, so today. Okay. not today. Not today? We let's want today? Let's be civilized. Okay. We, <laughs> have a, be, uh, we have an esteemed guest on. I it's know. Not let's like, be, yeah. It's not like when we have Jay Larson. Yeah. It's not like with some Yahoo in here. We got, you know. There's somebody with some... Okay, ladies and gentlemen, joining on the podcast today. He's a producer, he's a host, he's an author, he's a director, he's a podcaster, he's a musician. You're like a renaissance man. That's right. You like do I, everything. I try I hear to. You're, you're a triathlete, too. That's you right. You do everything. I try to. Oh, my God. Well, it's unbelievable. Uh, he's also, uh, uh, a lot of our listeners know him as the mastermind behind ESPN Sports Science. That's right. Right? Which you did like 1,500 segments of sports science for ESPN. Exactly. It's the uh, six-time Emmy Award winning. Unbelievable. Not, not that anybody's counting. Sure, you got to right. count. Right. You got to yeah. count. But th- there was something interesting I found because like, you know, I was a, a fan of it. A big fan of the segments on ESPN. Right. I didn't know that you had actually done like full length features before that for a couple seasons. Yeah, we were on Fox Sports uh, initially doing like a different. uh, Let's get let me get to that. I didn't even say his name yet. Okay, go on, ladies and gentlemen, John Brinkus. John Brinkus, thank you. Uh, I mean, part of the you know part of the thing is you got this big new podcast out, Brink of Midnight. So is it Brinkus or Brinkus? Uh, it is brink. It is spelled B R E N K U S. So shouldn't it be the brink of midnight then? Should we do the brink of midnight? It's a little bit of a pun because <laughs> yeah. it's the brink. But right. my last name spelled with an E. But sure. the podcast is B R I N. Was, was there like a debate? Like should we go brink or brink? No, the brink of midnight. No, is, no, because <laughs> if you just spell it B R E N K, everyone would say brink. Sure. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what the, what's a brink? Yeah, what's a brink? What the hell's a brink? If you say brink, yeah. then everybody knows. <laughs> do you think there's a possibility that like around episode twenty? You'll pull a John Cougar Mellencamp and like switch it to Brink. <laughs> yeah, and just say, you know what? I'm no longer want to call it yeah. Brink. Well, We're when he takes it somewhere else, he'll take it to a new podcast network, and he has to switch it just a little bit. Sure, the sure. Brink of Midnight. Illegal. Yeah, that's yeah. right. 
the brink of midnight. Oh, oh, the I like the brink of midnight. midnight. I like oh, that. Jesus. But so, um, I, you know, so those first two seasons, I was okay. So every like, I think everybody probably recognize you from the sports science ESPN. Right, which are fantastic. fantastic. You've done a right. ton of other stuff. Sure, yeah, a ton of a ton, other, like, like a ridiculous. Frankly, ton of I was stuff. surprised. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, surprise is like because you look I'm at it, sorry, and you're like, how surprised. does he have so much time in his life? Like, you, you look at the the various TV shows he produces, and you're like, holy shit! Wow. I mean, there's like a zillion TV shows. Well, because so, and, and it was like you know, not just um, a lot of them were science and sports based. Yep. And then in the middle of something like that, you'll find like you know, Marriage Island, Wedding Island. Yeah, right. Like yep. I wrote that like Wedding Island, Thrill exactly. Factor, Car Warrior, Stunt Busters. Yeah, a bunch like of American Cowboy, The yeah. Last American Cowboy. There's a lot. There's just that. a lot of them. Yeah. Like my, that. That's the reality kind of world, which we should talk about because we're, we're so curious about that. But go. You're talking about sports. Science. I was just saying that, that uh, I, I was additionally surprised that in you know in those seasons that you have with with Fox Sports, yep. there was a component of Jackass. The movie, like you are the person who's getting well. That's tackled. the Brandon Jacobs one. That's right. Well, right? that's not. Yeah, there have been. I mean, when I say tons of segments where I get abused, there's yeah. a there's a good clip on YouTube that's called "Abuse Brankus," where it's that. just you know you me get getting destroyed. Yeah. yeah, and I'm 45 now, and everyone always sure. says, "Do you, did you ever get hurt? Like when Indomitian Sue, you know, just completely yeah. leveled you?" And I'm like, you know what? It's what's funny is that. Yes, I do get hurt. Sure. And yes, I am human. But the worst time that I got hurt was in season two. Yeah. And it was with Vernon Davis. We had strapped a, um, like a what, like a, uh, a, a tow rope to him. Okay. On a harness. So the idea was, can an average man hold back Vernon Davis from the line of scrimmage? Okay. This goes into the file of not too terribly well thought through. Okay. Okay. So I'm holding on to him <laughs> like like it's like a like so I'm the idea water is you're, uh, you're just can you hold him from can getting I hold off the him line back, of scrimmage? Right? Okay. Can I hold him back with all right. of my might? Right. So we didn't really do the math on this and he launches me five feet in the air. When I he slammed, ran he pulled you? Oh. He pulled me. Oh Jesus. I mean you I can see it. the clip. It's he did ridiculous. a faceplant. I saw it. Did it did a faceplant and it sheared all of the skin off of my arm. Holy shit. It was just ridiculous. In fact, so, in fact you should like that's in that's uh, that clip is in the uh, the abused Brankus right. uh, clip. It looked, pain- I mean, you were pulled and you landed on your face and elbows. Oh, it was awful. It, it, it was genuinely terrible. It was it was one of those things where I'm like, who thought? Sure. Why did I? Why was I willing to do this? Sure, but I mean, this the, doesn't make any sense. The Brandon Jacobs one was like, yeah, that was uh, folly. That's what that was. That's like, I mean. For those who don't know, Brandon Jacobs was uh, Giants uh, running back. He's probably 6'6", 260. Largest running back The guy was a monster. Right. He didn't always hit the hole like that. I'll tell you that right now. He didn't <laughs> always hit the fucking hole. That was his problem. Like when we got Brandon Jacobs, I was like, oh, yes. And then you, he'd be at the goal line. He'd pussyfoot. He'd pussyfoot to the goal line. And then they started having Ahmad Bradshaw be the goal line back. And you're like, the dude's 6'6", 260. Right. Yeah. Right. But it's still, he's still, when that episode, like he hits you and then he hits a dummy. And he hits you way harder than he hits. Oh, he hits. So, and what you see if you look up the uh, if you just look up the clip online, yeah. the you know it's me just standing there and I'm trying to communicate to people. When you're sitting on the couch and you're like, "Jackal him, yeah. get him down." I'm like, "Okay, well, here's what you're facing." Sure. So I'm standing there just trying to stand as still as I can and allowing him to run into me. Right. What you see is take number seven. Holy oh shit! Because he wasn't willing to run full to speed, really hit and you? I'm like, dude. This is sports science. We can't lie about the numbers. And yeah. you're, yeah, you're hitting me with like 
1,200 pounds yeah. of force. Yeah. It's a lot of force, but that's 2, not that much. We got to like get 20, to. We got to yeah. get over 2,000 pounds <laughs> oh, here, dude. God. And you gotta you gotta just run fast as yeah. fast as you can. He's like, dude, I'm gonna kill you. Yeah. And I'm like, let that be my responsibility. Yeah. I'm like, trust me, we're I'll yeah. be all right. But it was the seventh. And you literally time. go up in the air oh. and fly it's, through the air. Is that the, and you, did you land short of a pad? No, that was pad. Chris Jenkins. Okay. So Chris Jenkins, who was even bigger yeah, than Brandon yeah, Jacobs, yeah, yeah. you know, um, he was 6'6", 360. He's defensive lineman, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah he was yeah. playing for the Panthers at the time. Yeah. He he lifts me up, throws me, and misses the pad yeah. that I had there. Oh, so he just launches me straight up. I come straight down. Right. It's just ridiculous. Right. Those are, that's unbelievable. And it's all in the name of science. All in all the name, the of, name science. of science. All in the name of science. And what's, what's, what's great is the way that I became the host of that show yeah. was I was – so I owned the production company with my brother right, like base production it's called right. base productions right. and okay. we literally built it out of the basement of my parents house we did a couple of feature films mm-hmm. we did uh a, you know were they all science and sports related they or no? weren't they okay. weren't all science and sport it didn't start out that way what happened was we landed the contract for the washington wizards and washington capitals actually they were the bullets even when we landed the contract yeah. so to do what to do background to do all of their shows everything that wasn't the game okay. so the coaches show and the video magazines and the it. psas and the commercials and the in-game, you know, all the in-game features. Yeah. So we just de- started developing these sports relationships. Yeah. At the same time, there was a channel called the Discovery Channel. Yeah. There was launching a channel called the Science Channel. Okay. And we, being one of the very few production companies in the D.C. area, were like became known because we had made a feature film and we were doing all the, the uh, sports stuff. Yeah. So they said, hey, we're doing this show called Science Live – we want you to produce that. Did it's you have a science background? Or? So my background, my formal education is in rhetoric, communication studies, the theory of the argument from okay. the University rhetoric. of Virginia. Rhetoric? Yeah. Rhetoric. Okay, got it. So, okay. And what was, what was interesting about it was, so while I was in school, I did an independent study with Steven Soderbergh when yeah. he had just finished his second movie called Kafka. Sure. Yeah. He lived in the area, and I just said to him, hey, I want to get entertainment, because I was at UVA, and there, there aren't a whole lot of people who got into entertainment from, from UVA. Uh, UVA. Uh-huh. And I'm like, what do I do? Because I was th- seriously considering dropping out. Yeah. And the the dean said to me, well, just go, tr- you just do your own independent studies. Just make up your own classes. <laughs> so I, I went to um, Bob Ghazali, who's now the president and CEO of AFI. He was okay. back then, he was the head of the Virginia Independent Film Festival. He said, there's this kid named Steven Soderbergh that lives, lives in town. Yeah. You should track him down. He's doing a screening down at the Vinegar Hill Theater. So he hadn't so, made Sex, Lies, and Videotape yet. He had. Oh, that yeah. was his first okay. one. That was the first okay. one. Yeah. The second one was, was Kafka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he was screening Kafka, and I went down and tracked him down and just said, I want to do what you're doing. I want to be in entertainment. I want to make movies and TV shows. And I got credit, so I said, I want to do a class with you. He's like, sure. <laughs> so I literally did a class with Steven Soderbergh. What did you do? Did you I mean you interviewed him? Interviewed him. Around, I know. literally interviewed him yeah. and sort of analyzed, but taking that advice and how to digest it into you know, a long-form paper for a professor in order to get credit. And his advice was – just do everything yourself. Yeah. Just teach yourself everything. Yeah. He said, don't go to, don't go to film school. Don't, he's like, don't just don't even bother with that. Pick up a camera, teach yourself to shoot, get, figure out a way to edit. And this is way before the digital era. Yeah. So I got an internship, um, down at the university of Virginia, Darden graduate school, Department of Visual Communications. It was okay. It was it was like a dream internship (laughs) where I had access to video gear. And how, how good was the gear at that point? Um, when I mean, we were when we did it, it was tape to tape. It was all VHS, I mean, three quarter inch, and yep. uh, yeah, I was yeah, shooting yeah. all three quarter inch yeah, stuff. Yeah. It was all on linear decks. You know, yeah. I had a, a little switcher, 
and I shot a bunch of short stuff and, you know, I wrote a screenplay when I was in college, which is another course I got credit for and <laughs> got out and, you, you know, game in the system. Or I was, I was yeah, literally, yeah. I, I wasn't gaming it. Yeah. I was doing what the Dean told me. Sure, he said, sure. make up your own classes. Sure. I'm like, all right, how about if I make some short movies yeah, yeah, yeah. like that? That'll be fun. Yeah. And I wrote a screenplay and I wrote a book and I was like, let's do some photography classes. Let's do an editing class. That's and amazing. I just made up my own stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, so I ended up graduating with a bunch of, I graduated early. In this three is all undergrad. Years. You're an undergrad. All undergrad. Right. Yeah. And because Steven Soderbergh said, don't even think about going to grad school. Yeah. He said, yeah, yeah, just don't sure. even think about it. Yeah. He's like, you just, if you want to get in the business, just get out. And he said, he said this great quote. He said, do everything yourself because you have the opportunity to fail silently. Okay. He said, just do it. He's like, what's at stake? Like, let's yeah. say you go out, make something and it sucks. He said, who cares? Yeah. You learn something. Yeah. yeah. So I made a bunch of uh, short movies, got out, raised some money, went to New York and made a feature film and the investors were impressed that with it. That you directed? That you- That I wrote, okay. I directed. I, did you yeah. act on them? I, I did not act in that one. <laughs> so I didn't act in that one. And uh, Bobby De Niro was in that one. Yeah. Bobby you De Niro. Might have heard of him. De Niro? Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah that sure, guy. Yeah, he was, yeah, yeah. We, so we got Robert De Niro yeah, yeah. and then it was, <laughs> so, cool. and then boom, everything yeah. hit. Yeah. Um, when what ended up happening was that, you know, we got a, obviously a small distribution deal. It was like back in the, it was back in the ni- early nineties when distribution companies took your movie, released it, filed for bankruptcy. And, yeah. Yeah. That's when yeah. we started too. <laughs> That's when we started making yeah. independent films then. Exactly. That's yeah. what happens. Yeah. I mean, and, and what was crazy is how rampant it was. Oh yeah. It was just these shell companies that were set up. They sold the movie, they distributed it, you know, it, it was, yeah, you know, all bankrupt. in the small theaters yeah. and then. Then they go, oh well, we're bankrupt. Come yeah. chase us. Yeah, and you're like, oh, whatever. Yeah. So that was a big learning lesson, which is why I said, you know, feature films are really hard. It's a really hard business because it took two years. Yeah. yeah, right. It took two full years. And I said, I want to focus more on television because it's such a fast. And by the way, that, that two years is pretty good. Right. By by yeah, because that's, that's exactly, exactly what we did. We made our first film in ninety. Well, we made a short in ninety two or ninety four. And then we shot our first feature in 95. And we were in New York in the kind of independent film scene. So do you remember the shooting gallery? Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So we the we shot gallery. our movie at the shooting gallery. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So yeah. it was all part of that scene. It was part of the you know laws yeah. of gravity. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Sure. Whole, sure. Who, who was the shooting gallery? Was it Seamus? Who was the, who was the shooting gallery? That was Larry. It was Larry Meister. Oh, Larry Meister. Like, yeah. You know, the original five yeah. Um, yeah. members of it. it was, yeah. They, they had five original partners and then it kind of. Yeah, we were in that exact same yeah. world. And they had one movie. Because John Sloss was there. That they did like allowed them to expand their offices into that a pretty sweet space yeah that was maybe laws of gravity it wasn't laws of gravity it was laws was the first one and then handgun was the second one Hmm. okay um but they made anyway they were remember in that era miramax wasn't miramax yeah 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 they were just coming into the yeah they were just kind of coming into their own um have you read spikes mike slackers and dykes I you know what I haven't read the full thing I've only yeah, read that good excerpt it's, good. Yeah, it's, it's good, really yeah. good yeah um you know that whole New York scene was so cool you know Spike yeah. Lee was hanging around that scene it's yeah. just like that's the same scene we came out because we are we started making independent films yep and um, Jay uh, Jen Shaker one of the guys in the group started working for John Sloss who right. was a very famous kind of like film rep back then he repped Kevin Smith and Richard yep. Linklater and all those guys if so. you if you remember that like that group. Um, that was hanging around there. It was Edie Falco and Steve Buscemi. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. They were just regulars hanging around. Sure. and hadn't really made it, made it yet. Oh yeah. Um, they were so, acting in all the, those movies and uh, all those indie movies. They were all yeah, circulating. Like, what's around. his name? Tom so, DeCillo, whatever his name is. DeCillo, yeah. C-I-L-O, yeah, yeah, all those guys were making those films. Huh? Yeah. So we were sort of in that. I, I was just sort of in that mix, and it was, maybe we crossed paths. Back we then, might. We right? may have because I because we, we shot. We shot. Um, Crimson Lights was the name of our movie. Yeah. And we shot it in 93. Okay. Yeah. So I graduated That's college we were, in the yeah. summer of 92, and it would have been 93. And, and it was a feature. It was a feature. 
Yeah, who yeah. who was in it? I I hate to it say it was a really good friend of mine named Jim McCulley, um was in it, and Jim has done a ton of stuff. You look him up on uh, IMDb. Yeah. he's been you know all over the place. So he was he was sort of the main person that was in it. Okay, um, you know he became an amazing friend of mine, and really launched. What happened was our investors were really impressed that we just finished it. We raised a hundred thousand dollars, you know, family, friends, sure. you know, $2,000 yeah, yeah. $2, yeah. at a time. You're like, let's just put this all together and try to figure this out. Yeah. And our, you know, one of our investors was really impressed and then bought us a space age machine called an avid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And this was, so remember we shot in 93 and then it was 95, yep. 96. We got our first, Avid. Yeah, we and did was, the same thing. 95, what it was called D-Vision. Avid was just starting. We couldn't afford it. Right. And so we had the precursor that was called D-Vision. And remember, there was the Cube. Yep, there was the Cube. <laughs> there was the Cube. Yep. Like, yep. There were all the, like, yeah. the, the, the sort of birthing of this digital re- revolution. Yeah. So picture this. So I'm in New York, and I was living in my now brother-in-law's fraternity brother's spare bedroom that was just – it was a tiny little bedroom, yeah. a, a closet on yeah. top of the Holland Tunnel. I okay. got a great That's view awesome. of traffic. It was <laughs> yeah. awesome. So the, we used to hang out down there. We used to go to the North River Bar down there. Sure. Remember the North River Bar yeah. next to the wetlands? I, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We used to hang out there all the time in ninety. You know, yeah. First ninety, whatever. 90. So the so we get this space age machine called the Avid, yeah. and it was yeah. AVR twenty six. Yeah. It, was yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it wasn't, and it was just birthing AVR twenty seven, which required striped drives. Okay. Yeah. And <laughs> if you remember, like these hard drives that you had to yeah. stripe together. Yeah. So we had this machine, and it was in the basement of my parents' house. I'm like, I don't have any money. And I'm sure. like, you know, hey, let me start this company. And my brother-in-law and I started it out of the basement of my parents' house. And we got these – Got the first big contract was we just went out and made a documentary on the 50th anniversary of VJ Day. Okay. We got Tom Clancy to be our host. Oh, wow. Oh, great. And he would never done anything. We were like, yeah. wow, we got Tom Clancy. How did you get him to do it? So we got him by so this is way before cell phones were prevalent. Like sure, we, I didn't yeah. have a cell phone. Yeah. We, we we I got went my down, first one in ninety five. Yeah. It was like, we went to Sundance in ninety five yeah. and that's his and mom were, got it for him. Ninety six or <laughs> yeah, my mom bought it for him. And you were ahead of you were yeah, way yeah. ahead of me because yeah. Mickey and I, my, my brother in law, yeah. we felt oh man, it might be a little pretentious to be because they were huge and they were you know, at that point it was like ah, not everybody had it and I don't know if I want to be that guy. So we were just running around town doing this documentary. We went down to literally Capitol Hill because we were we lived in DC, and we I would literally go to the payphone and say, "Hey, I'm just about to walk into Barbara Boxer's office, <laughs> fax a letter that says we're doing a war documentary. I'll come in and I'll say, hey, I wanted to talk to Senator Boxer about the documentary we're making uh, on World War II.'" And we got six different senators doing it that way. Wow. And each senator wow. would refer us to people who were involved with the war and one, you know, wrote a Rosie, the riveter and, yeah. you know, someone who was, wow. um, you know, just, just giant warriors. So, yeah. um, we ended up getting to Clancy through that chain and Clancy, we literally had never met him, yeah. sent an email and just said, Hey, so-and-so sent us, would you be willing to do this? He sent back an email and said, okay. Uh-huh. And we're like, wow, we just got Tom Clancy. Amazing. <laughs> we <went to> his- <laughs> so they- gaming the system again. Amazing. I mean, it's it, like, what's amazing is how far you can get if you yeah. just ask. Yeah, yeah, if you yeah. pose the, the right question in the right way, it's amazing what you can pull yeah. off. This is like when we had John Rassigan here. He's, he's one of the founders of The Chive. Do you know The Chive? And he was, uh, you know, he's saying that's what they used to do. They just go in and like notify somebody at the last second and just go to their offices and just say, we're here. <laughs> and they would get so much done that way. You would just be like, hey, let's just, how do we, yeah. d- you, you have to be creative. And, and this is where 
where people go, oh, a communications degree. I'm like, yeah. look, I, what I studied and what, when, you know, outside of the classes I made up was the theory of the argument, the ethos, the pathos, the logos. What question right. are you asking? Why are you asking it? How is it being formed? Who's your audience? What's going to make, what's going to make a no a yes? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting when you look at everything from political campaigns to Horatio Alger, dime novels, you know, to just a poster. Yeah. You're like, you're, you're trying to persuade somebody yeah. of some the power thing. of persuasion. It yeah. is. Yeah. And that, that's really what we were um, founded on. And when you watch, you know, when you even look at uh, sports science, it's not it – re- it really isn't like this incredibly objective look just through the lens of science. It's we're making an argument and supporting it with science. Right. So it, there's a little bit of a difference there because in the where, where we talk about, well, how do you make science stick? It has to be entertaining, right? It can't just be here are the facts. It's yeah. got to be we're going to present the facts, but in a super entertaining fashion. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Something that's going to stick with you and be really, you know, in your own mind. You're just not going to forget it. Yeah. Um, so the it's, a, it's a practical application of that science in a, in a world that people will enjoy. Which exactly. Is amazing. You know? and, and that's where me being the host worked out really well is – um, guy named George Greenberg that w- that was running Fox Sports at the yeah. time. When I went in to pitch the show, he was like, "Well, who are you gonna get to host it?" And and they were licensed. Uh, we were selling it as a license, so he's like, yeah. "So whoever you guys are willing to pay for, because we're not gonna pay for somebody." <laughs> yeah. And he said, "Then you're the host. I really right. like the way you're delivering it, and sure. really like the way that you're doing this." And he also it was it was very early in Jay Glazer's career. He oh, okay. just he had just anointed Glazer. Yeah. And okay. He, so he, you know, even to this day, he's like, you know, Jay Glazer and John Brankers were my guys. Sure. I was the one that that put them on the screen, and I I was willing to do it because, look, I'm five foot eight and a half, yeah. 160 pounds, and I said that I'm an average sized human being, sure. may, you know, maybe slightly below. But the 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 point is, is when you put me up against these gigantic athletes, you can get a perspective. Right. You can really see. Oh, what well, it's like all the about. Vernon Davis thing when he lifts you off the ground. Yeah. I was. Cause, because I was watching it in the Abuse Brankus piece, I didn't right. know who it was, but I immediately <laughs> thought that person is a beast because right. he was so much bigger than you. Right. And yeah. he yanked you. <laughs> very hard. He was very inconsiderate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, had, he, had, he, had, uh, he, had, he was not worried about me whatsoever. Sure. Was that the first take that he did that to you? That was the only take. Yeah. Okay. So that was the first and only. You know, there's, this, there's a uh, segment online um, where I get bit by a dog. This is back in the Fox Sports yeah. days. Yeah. Um, but we were, what, like for for part of a science? Thing? Yeah, Mike, Mike Tyson. We, right? Mike Tyson. Yeah, we said, "Who bites harder, an attack dog or Mike Tyson?" <laughs> <laughs> so we brought in a competitive eater who okay. has a stronger jaw than Tyson to yeah. see how hard a uh, you know competitive <clears throat> eater will bite. And we brought in an attack dog and censored me up, put me in the suit, had sensors uh, on the suit and underneath my arm to see how hard a, an attack dog would bite. And this dog, I, we're standing there, and this dog is going just out of its mind and i'm like what are we doing this dog is gonna bite my face and the trainer said dude would you relax (laughs) this is a trained attack dog yeah this is what the dog does for a living yeah like it's not gonna bite your face mark every every time yeah he said it 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 only will bite the furthest thing out i said so he's like so just stick your arm way out and he's not gonna bite your arm i'm like all right. So I'm sweating bullets. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Holding my arm out. This dog is just, just, just going crazy. They release the dog. Just bites my ankle. Right. Oh. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm, I'm like, get him off. Get him off. Get him off. 
And I'd look at the trainer. I'm like, what, what, what happened? He goes, hey, it's a dog. <laughs> and it's all on camera. It's on camera. I'm like, oh, my God. So we, that's, we, that's hit it, we got bit by dogs, right? Remember at the we Cheyenne did. Mountain, we, we went to a military base. We went to NORAD. We yeah. got a tour of those guys, and they had those attack dogs. We actually did a it, podcast out of NORAD. We did, and it was uh, – you know, it was you put the thing on the arm, right. and it's like they give this signal, and the fucking starts taking you down. That one was a, that was a little more gentle though, because I, I watched your segment. That yeah. you have the full run up. Oh, it's, like we just had the dog just jumped on us. Sure, he started, he has, started pulling oh, your arm. He yeah. has the, the like the three seconds where the dog is sprinting at you. With, <laughs> right, that's the one that the trainer was doing. Yeah, that when we were there. Yeah, yeah. You that's where you know thing. Like, predator versus prey. I was born as prey. But that's, that, those are those funny. Oh my god! Those yeah. are those funny ones because we, we have sometimes you know, you'll write a scene in a movie and then all of a sudden you're shooting. And you're like, holy shit! Why did I fucking? Why did I write this scene? What are we doing? You know? It, and yeah. you find you probably find yourself. Let's do this uh, segment, and then all of a sudden you find yourself in it. and You're like, what the hell was I thinking? Well, I was thinking. I was thinking of you specifically. Uh, did you see the segment? Where John gets hit, uh, with, he takes the fastball to the nuts. No, I didn't see that one. <laughs> so, so you know, in Super oh, Troopers, I take a well. It's, although that's a movie. Yeah, yeah, right. exactly. Not real. I got shot, shot in the bulletproof jockstrap. Right. But you, I mean, you took that baseball in the nuts like a champ. Well, like a champ who was sweating who in in well the, a pitching machine. Oh, okay. You know? So we had a jugs like machine. Chapman aimed, or something. We had, <laughs> we had a jugs machine aimed at my junk. Okay. And there is a uh, it's called the Nutty Buddy, and the way that it's designed, <laughs> the Nutty Buddy, the, the the traditional design of a cup is actually kind of weird. Like yeah. it's it's kind of actually built upside down. Yeah, you're right, right. It doesn't. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, does, it doesn't. It's not. Doesn't fit exactly right. Sure, sure. And the material that it's made out of breaks really easily. Yeah. yeah. So Nutty Buddy came along. And, and your dick is huge <laughs> wow well, that's yeah, this yeah yeah, yeah. that's why sure. yeah, yeah. So sure two I mean, of them you know, together yeah. two of yeah, them yeah. together and it comes close <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so i i'm i'm looking at this thing and and uh the inventor of the nutty buddy stood in front of the machine and took a fastball in the nuts okay. you know, 90 miles an hour and he's like anybody can do it you can do it i'm like oh my god oh. so i'm standing in front of this thing we're calibrating it with plexiglass and a you know a, a little target sticker yeah i'm like well, what happens if i I move. Like, what happens if I move, if I breathe, if I'm just a little left sure. or right? I was less concerned about it hitting the cup sure. and more concerned with it hitting my stomach. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm like, oh, yeah. my God, what's going to happen? Yeah. So it, it ends up working out, but it's a pretty funny – I freak out, and the freak out's pretty good. And did the Nutty Buddy do its job? I mean, did it, it did its job. Okay. It, was, it was unbelievable. Like the, on, the one, on the one I saw, like – you did it a few times, I think. No. The one I, I only saw, did it once. Okay. Well, then you didn't, you didn't flinch at all. No. Like he just stood there like a rock. I okay, stood there like a man, like you're supposed that's to. That's what you got it, <laughs> I'll, say, I'll say it was fun because, like you know, like I said, sports science on ESPN was where I got to know it. And yep. then you know, like last night preparing for it, I was like, I started looking up all my my old favorites, like the David Tyree, <clears throat> sure. the, the Super Bowl catch, yeah. uh, the Damakong Sue. I remember yeah, that one. JPP well. one's great too. They're, I mean, yeah. they're all so engrossing. And I found I was, I was like, in this day of binge watching things, I was like. I could sit here all night <laughs> right. yeah. and watch all of it. It is segments. a different world. I mean, it's a different it's, world from when you started doing the show. That, yeah, yeah. What's, what's amazing is we started as a long form show, but yeah. each segment got posted one way or another because it was just, it wasn't a continuous hour. It was just broken up into five or six segments. Did that it, affect your creative uh, in terms of like trying to make them bite size or? You know, what, so what was interesting is, so we shot in season one, we literally shot everything we could think of. Yeah. And it, it was season one. We're like, okay, we shot. 
season one, we're out of ideas. Like where, we where did you shoot? Where were you in a studio? We were in a, we were in uh, the Hawthorne airplane hangar that actually Tesla now has. Okay. Oh, really? Where, um, where is it? Yeah, that? it's it's the SpaceX hangar. I'm sorry, it's not Tesla. It's SpaceX yeah. down at Hawthorne Airport. Oh, okay, okay. So if you okay. drive by and you see the big SpaceX now, yeah. that, that's where we shot. Yeah. Okay, and it was vacant. It was it, it was the conditions were just horrendous it okay was so hot it was the mid you know early july you know inside the hangar is over 100 <laughs> looks pretty degrees. nice though in there oh it looks it's all it scientific looks, and shit it, it looks amazing <laughs> but you're on a runway there are planes going by fit you feel like you're in 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 war yeah. yeah you're like oh my god planes are flying overhead it's really hot it's just oh my god it was a really difficult show to make but at, you know at season one we shot everything without really categorizing them. And then afterwards, we're like, oh, we should probably thematically put all these together. And once we we did two seasons and won three Emmys when we were on Fox, and ESPN came along, and John Skipper in particular, and he just said, look, the wave of the future is the shorter the better. And this was in 2010, actually 2009, um, when he was courting us. And he said, look, we're going to make little tiny bite-sized chunks that we're going to spread across the whole platform because that's the way people are going to digest their media. And that's... You know, eight years ago. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty amazing. It was, it was pretty Foresight interesting to do. That. I mean, that's because that's exactly what it was. That's and, what and, happened, and that's I think that's what people watch it now. Like you know, my my kids, that's the way they watch it on their like phone. If they watch the the who are those guys, Pitch Perfect, or really guys that do all the tricks. The uh, when they throw the football, dude, oh, yeah. dude, dude, perfect. dude, perfect, right? Yeah. They watch. My son just goes bananas on those, and yeah. he's watching them one after the other, boom, yeah, boom, boom, was, boom, and that's. And I think that's you know, that's a smart way yeah. to, to do it. Do you get a lot of like? Either parents coming up to you or, or people coming up to you saying, like, you got me interested in science, like, when I was a kid? Yeah, we – so what's fascinating is we're in season 10 now. So think about this. When we have guys going into the NFL draft now, those guys are anywhere from 19 to 22. That's a good point. On their, yeah, yeah, and literally yeah. they'll say, dude, I've been watching you since I was 10. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, I've watched you – that's essentially their entire life. Sure. They remember. And that's good and bad because it makes you old, but at the same time it makes you <laughs> It makes me old. Right. But it makes you old, but it's just – I'm I'm so blessed to be part of such a positive – Yeah. Thing. And that's – you know, that's really where – you know, there's sports science and then there's also the podcast that, that yeah. we're now doing where it's – look, all I want to do is perpetuate positive energy. And yeah. If you had to pick something where you can go home at night and say, you know what? I'm all right with – kids watching my stuff and parents watching my stuff with their kids yeah. and being uh, being inspired you know th- when we first started there you know, we were in we were in cable in the classroom there's yeah. a whole curriculum kids when i tell i tell you i mean it's people of all ages come up to me because we were we did a version that was on disney xd yeah so we had that whole young crowd and we've been on for so long now just everywhere you go it's especially the male audience i always it, it's funny because people say you know you get people coming up to you all the time i'm like i get men coming up to me all the time sure like there's like jay larson just did. Yeah, there's yeah. no there's no woman who's like john Brinkis. Yeah. oh my god yeah it just doesn't we have the same thing we have the same thing we made dukes of hazard with johnny knoxville and, yep. and baton rouge he'd be surrounded by girls like <laughs> 40 or 50 women like three deep right and we'd be surrounded by 30 or 40 college Dude, kids with yeah. shots like, <laughs> You're like oh, great. Yeah. are you still making sports science or yeah yeah of okay course. yeah and, still... and, and is that take a lot of your time or yeah, yeah i mean obviously or do you go in spurts do you go in... no it's a it's a pretty steady 52 week yeah. gig you know it's like it's just always going and all cuz you always see those things like like i was watching the uh 
eighteen inning Yankee Cubs game yeah. the other day, and I was just thinking, God, what, what kind of tolls it taking these guys' body to do an eighteen inning game as opposed to a nine inning game? And then I was thinking about your thing, and that's it. those, you know, those are the kind know. of things that you do. Well, it's also great because you know? it's like any any sweet play that happens <laughs> yeah. in any sport, <laughs> right? You know, it's like you can use that. I mean, it's like the David Tyree catch. For right. I remember seeing that thing. I was like, that's so cool that you guys broke that down. And there was another there was another wide receiver catch where like you were even dealing with like the arm angle of the quarterback and how much time he had to release it and all that. and like well you had Manning throwing you know Manning to Manningham then you had yep. you had that was the other um, Super Bowl the other, Eli Man- yeah, yeah. Manning to David Tyree yeah you have uh, Roethlisberger to Santonio Holmes yep. yeah. yeah and you have the Edelman yeah right like that's just, just the most recent one yeah the most yeah, recent yeah, yeah, yeah. one you have the Edelman the crazy Edelman yeah catch. yeah the I mean and when everybody says well what's the greatest catch in Super Bowl history. Like it has to be Santonio Holmes because that won the that game. Won the game, yeah. yeah. Like those other catches yeah, were yeah, great. Yeah. They just kept the drive alive. Although that yeah. that Tyree, the, like, that was fourth down. Tyree was fourth down, and the, and Manning had to <laughs> Manning had to escape. He was being grabbed by know, by yeah. a know, beast. I know. Yeah. And Tyree was not, you know, a marquee player. He was a kind of a yeah. utility wide receiver, and he, so. and he pinned the ball to his helmet with he less pressure than it takes to break an egg. That's <laughs> there you go. You were watching. Correctly. You yes. learned something. Yes. yes. No, but that's that's the thing though that, that I, I always liked about it, and and you know, it was like when I was a kid, for instance, there was such a dearth of quality teachers, right? You know, and and I went to a very nice school in New York City, and like it was there was a science teacher actually who would break out visuals. I remember him standing on top of a turntable and spinning. And uh, he put a record player on the floor to demonstrate, like, I don't even know if it was like the spinning of isotopes or something like that, mm-hmm. if isotopes spin. I don't know. I'm just pulling did. it out of my <laughs> yeah. but, I, but I remember thinking, like, he was known as the best teacher because he was, he was one of the few who was able to reach the kids. Right. And I do have to think that, like, there is probably a generation that starts with the beginning of Sports Science. That, I mean, like, like, Sports Center is a huge show. Right. Um, and there are probably a ton of kids who have been affected by that show and who – because you're taking like the play that they watched in the Super Bowl and sure. breaking it down yeah. and making it super interesting for them. Yeah, we're – like I said, you know, so blessed that it's, it's a positive thing, right? It's only positive for people to look at something through a different lens. And when you look at, look at sport through the lens of science, it's, it really is magical because yeah. they, I always like to say that it doesn't become a segment unless I'm learning something and interested in it. We've yeah, done, sure. you know, over 1500 at this point that like, I still, we still have to keep cracking open new doors and do new stuff. And, you know, that's why I, I think sort of what explains the longevity is the team, you know, it's obviously me and, a, you know, our entire team. It's yeah. just, a, which I'm sure has grown creative. over the years. Right? Yeah, and they're just it's not you and your brother anymore, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> so we sold our, yeah, we sold our production company in ESPN. Okay. Now, um, you know, now has sports science, yeah. but okay. Um, well, you sold your yeah, company we, to ESPN, or did you? No, no, no. no it okay. was a yeah, separate yeah. thing. Okay. But we, but you know, I'm still the host and still very yeah. involved with making you know every facet of sports. Sure. Yeah. And also the po- let's talk about the podcast because yes. that's that's yeah. you know part of why you're here, right? Yes. So uh, the podcast is a new podcast you're launching on the 15th of May, which is two days ago from when we air, and it's called The Brink of Midnight. Yep. And um, tell, tell us a little bit about like there's a theme to it, so right? The, the theme to it is exploring the moments in life when everything changes. Yeah. So what I really got out of sports science was being able to interact with these amazing athletes and really the commonality behind all of them is they work incredibly hard. Yeah. They're, you know, they outwork everybody. They outsmart everybody. It's not that they're just physical freaks and better than everybody, but they also all had these, this one moment in life uh-huh. where they had to decide, 
is this what I'm going to do sure. or not? And yeah, I've sure. just had the great fortune of working with, you know, actors and comedians and, you know, uh, investors and, you know, uh, people involved with philanthropy. It's, it's really interesting how everybody has that one brink of midnight moment or yeah. several in their life where life was trucking right along and then something happened yeah. and it pushed you in another direction. And, it, and it, the inspiration for it came from how I met my wife. Yeah. My wife that we've now been married 14 years. We have two great, great, great children. We have a band by the same name. Called right. I saw that. Name, I saw that. Called Brink of Midnight. And man's, I told you, Renaissance man, musician. Yeah. It's a, it's so, I'll tell you. So let me tell you the story. Yeah. The, I'm in. I'm. Uh, I was actually scouting for a comedy show that that uh, that we were doing. I was in at the Aspen Comedy Festival, flying okay. back. What year? This is in 2003. We might. Have we been were there. there. Super Troopers. Well, could, really? No, because we were there with Club Dread. It was right before we went to film Club Dread. But I that's think, when we did halftime. Wasn't Super Troopers headlining? There was a two years prior. Gotcha. Okay. So there, prior. Was, there was a show that we teamed up with a couple other producers on called Sketchpad that was on HBO. Okay. I okay. remember that. So, I remember Sketchpad. You remember Sketchpad? Yeah. So, so that was that was a, a production that we did with um, with another company. Yeah. Yeah. And so we were scouting for talent, mm -hmm. and we were looking for the best sketch artists and um, sketch groups. I guess we so didn't I, make the cut. I, guess I was flying. I was yeah. flying from Aspen because we got our start in sketch. Just so you know, that's right. That's right. <laughs> okay, go on. Well, you didn't on. make you didn't make the cut for that, but it sure. turned out much better. We did sketch, right. sketch we did okay. two episodes <laughs> right. and was done. Is that right? So, yeah. So. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Go on. Go exactly. On. You guys. You guys came out on the better end. Of it. But we had. Um, we were flying from Aspen to L.A. And um, I, I was traveling with a business associate, and we ended up getting separated in Denver. That we had a ticket mix up, and I'm like, oh, whatever, we'll just sit in our assigned seats. I end up sitting next to the most beautiful woman I had ever. Wow. Seen. I, I was unbathed. Okay, I'm just like you know, it's like Coming Sunday morning. Festival. I'm like, yeah. oh my god, I'm I'm, over. And I'm sitting next to this ridiculously beautiful woman. Yeah. I'm like, oh my god, and God's shining a light down on her. She's got the glow, the whole thing. And I'm like, I like look at her. I'm like, oh my god. And I go to the bathroom and I like wet my hair. And <laughs> right. I come back. I'm like, John Brink, it's nice to meet you. And I, I, I'm telling you, the second I saw her, I'm like, I'm gonna marry this. In fact, really? this moment. is this is how certain I was. We had a mechanical problem. We all had to get off the plane. Okay. I went up to the guy I was traveling with and I said, I'll give you $100 to stay away from me. Just met the girl I'm going to marry. <laughs> we were in, then in the airport for five hours. She called her parents and said, I just met the guy I'm going to marry. We wow. were both dating wow. other people. Wow. Okay. She had been holding a book that was called The Perfect Match. Okay. And we ended up getting back on the plane and I said to her, what are the chances that I can get your info? And yeah. she's like, Pretty good. Okay. So we exchanged information. Turns out we lived two blocks away from each other in LA? on the same street in Berlin, oh, wow. on Mayfield Avenue. And now let me. So you were in your buddy seat. So you weren't even in. Your I was. Seat? I, I. They just randomly know. issued the two okay, seats. Right? There was okay. a ticket mix-up, wow. and it was like, oh, you're supposed to be sitting together, and okay. bam. And I'm and, I, and and you always wonder. You it, so. That's really the inspiration behind it. Sure. Of oh my god, if I had never sat in that seat, yeah. I wouldn't have these two children. That's I wouldn't right. have had That's the right. career that I had. I wouldn't wouldn't have had the amazing life that she and I have been able uh, to create. Yeah. And musically, there there was just a, another bizarre brink of midnight moment where I played guitar when I was you know younger. I learned to play guitar when I was like nineteen twenty. Okay. Do you um, shred? Can you shred? I could. I, I mean, I can. You, you can go on and, and you can listen. You can judge for yourself. Okay. It's tough okay. to say. Yes, okay. I shred. I okay. I can play guitar. Frankish shreds. Yes, I can okay. play guitar, and I, I think you'll you'll like our stuff. Okay. The we I was just teaching myself Pro Tools. Yeah. 
yeah. a la Soderbergh. Just teach sure. yourself, you know, teach sure. yourself. So I'm teaching myself Pro Tools, writing my own music just because I'm making so much TV. I just need a different creative outlet. Sure. So I'm just writing my own songs and my wife walks by the office one day, just my little home setup, and she starts singing over the – what thing that i wrote and i'm like where did this melody come from <laughs> how are you singing so well and she said um i was part i was classically trained at the long beach opera company and you didn't know this how long you've been with her at this point 10 years oh my and God. she said i've told you this 50 times i'm like uh, i'm sure you have <laughs> I'm like, okay so i'm like wow so we wrote a christmas song okay that was called christmas is my favorite and time you shot of year. a video you shot a video that's for your it wife? yes that's hilarious that's my wife we shot a video for it and you know got three million hits in the blink of an eye yeah. and it ended up charting. It, it got picked up by Sirius XM, <laughs> yeah, and it ended up awesome. charting. And if you looked at the uh, the media based chart that it was on, it was literally you know Bruce Springsteen, Madonna, Lizzie and John Brinkus, Paul McCartney. Sure. Yeah. But I'm like, we were the only unsigned act, right? So Lizzie we like, and John Brinkus, you need a stage name, kid. Exactly. <laughs> and, and we said, you know what? We're going to change the name of our uh, of our group because we just called the Lizzie and John Brinkus because sure. we had. There was no plan of like, we're going to make this great Christmas song. It just yeah. ended up getting picked up. So we created this band called Brink of Midnight, and we started this podcast now. And Not it's Brink of Midnight, amazing. but Brink of Midnight. B-R-I-N-K yeah. of Midnight. Do they still air that uh, on the Christmas channels on, uh, yeah. on Sirius? Yeah, it's been on Sirius, okay. and you, know, you can check great. it out. I mean, it's called Christmas is I listen to the Christmas stations all the time. It's legit. I, no, I know. I, said, I read about oh, it. You shot a video. Like, I remember the video. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, it's, no, I, know. She, I know. Like, and no, you know, in the respectful way. Right. There's a hot girl in the video. <laughs> yeah. It's it's like, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, he of course, he got a, like a, you know, it's his wife. Yeah, he hired some actress. Yeah, to, he got, uh, he paid good money for that. <laughs> that's his wife. But that's his wife. But that's his wife. That's right. Good, good. So, good. Uh, yeah. And then that that's really what inspired the podcast, the Brink of Midnight podcast. Yeah. So I have great relationships with athletes and actors and philanthropists. And we were talking about it before we got on the mics, but... I mean, this is how good this guy is. That he he's recorded forty one episodes in advance of the thing. Like we scramble the day of. It's so <laughs> this guy's got forty one episodes in advance. We're like let's bank. We're, we're banked for two it's weeks, so that's good. We could take a, take the next week off. That's amazing. It's, how long ago did you start recording them? You know, it started recording a couple months ago. Okay, um, but really the premise, the 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 pitch, and when I tell you, um, just in terms of being able to call up friend, you know, people that I've become very yeah. friendly with. And just other people spreading the word. I believe that we're surrounded by so much negative news. Yeah. We need positive news. You're totally right. Yeah. And this podcast is geared at people who just are fed up with yeah. negative news. And these are all inspirational stories about the moment in someone's life where everything changed and it all worked out for the better. Even if it was a dark moment. Sure. You know, where we we debuted on Monday with Ray Lewis. Yeah. And he talks about you know the struggles that he had growing up. And what he had to do to overcome it. And it, it's just – it's so cathartic for people. Yeah. And it's so inspiring to listen, to say, you know what? No matter how dark of a place I may be in right now, yeah. no matter how clouded my mind may be, there's a way out. Yeah. And I need to keep trudging along. And you know, we had Ryan Leaf. He's on an, on an episode oh, wow. coming up. an interesting story. Unbelievable. He is one of the most inspiring people. What I've is he ever doing met. these days? What's he? So these days he's a um a recu- he's an um addiction um counselor. Special- counselor. Okay. Yeah, he started his own foundation. And you know, his when he you hear his story. Didn't he get arrested recently? It's a it's yeah. now a while back. Okay. It's now a long time ago. But okay. here's a guy that 
was, you know, in the brightest of spotlights. Oh, yeah. yeah. Played in the NFL. Number you one know, draft pick. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Number two draft pick yeah, behind yeah. Peyton yeah. Manning. But I'm saying, like, number one. Yeah, number the one. He's, yeah, the, yeah. he's the only number one draft pick from the state of Montana. And wow. so he and, and in Montana he was like look yeah, this is this guy. is the man. Yeah. He um you know he he won the Rose Bowl against Tom Brady. Yep. Um you know what did, did just did amazing things. Goes to the NFL, short NFL career, becomes addicted to to uh painkillers and makes some re- really bad decisions. Runs out of money. Yeah. You know tr- you know it just gets into a really dark space and when you hear how he gets himself out of it. Wow. He goes. He ends up going to jail for 32 months. Oh, yeah. You know, he ends up coming out, and now his life is completely different. And he has this singular moment that he can point to really? where his life turned just around. I mean, just it just happened. Yeah, and it was really interesting because it's 26 months into being in jail, and while he was in jail over those 32 months, he yeah. went outside twice. Wow. Twice wow. in 32 months. Imagine that. Yeah. Um, and he now is the you mean outside such an into the guy. air, you mean? Outside, outside, like outside, like outside of the cinder block. Yeah. Outside Jesus. of his cinder block. Jesus. Confinement. Okay. Yeah. He went outside twice. And wow. he now is the most positive, the most inspirational, That's amazing. real human being. When everyone goes, Ryan Leaf, I'm like, yeah, really? Ryan Leaf is a hero. Yeah. He's yeah. genuinely a hero. Yeah. I mean, when I think of Ryan Leaf, I think of a guy who was imploding in front of our eyes. Yeah. Yep. Not handling fame very well, and, yeah, and uh, was taking out on a lot of people. And yeah. now has turned it turned it around. And when you get the chance to meet him, and I hope you guys do, you will. I mean, there's nobody that I've met that I've been more inspired wow. by of someone who has bared his soul. And he literally in front of us, he had one of the first viral videos where he freaked out on the reporter. Yeah, you know, it was like one of these first, like, oh my god, you got to see this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it it, <laughs> it it changed his life so profoundly, but. You know, we, we cover all kinds of topics in, in the Brink of Midnight podcast where we're looking at athletes and comedians, yeah. um, you know, and philanthropists and people who are, you know, uber wealthy to, you know, one of our guests is um, a, the driver for Enterprise when I was going to rent a car. Yeah. Okay. She was the most positive person. I just walked on. I'm like, this is such a positive. We just struck up a conversation. I'm like, where'd you grow up? She's like, Watts. I'm like, you mean like, Watts Watts like Riot Watts like you grew up there and I'm like how did you like how did you survive and cope and like I want to hear your story and her story blew me away you're like hold on don't stop hold on hold on let me get the microphone let me get the microphone let me bring this out for the air yeah so I literally tracked her down so we have this this very wide range um, of guests but it's mostly people that you know and everyone's got Um, that everyone has that moment everyone has that moment you were saying you had Sharon Stone on yeah we're we're, I'm interviewing Sharon Stone actually three days from now okay Okay. so yeah she Sharon Stone is uh, like her store her background story is amazing yeah it's finding out those little nuggets that are not on Wikipedia and sure. not, you know, that you've those heard a million times. Too. It's those little moments, you know, Diana Nyad, who yeah, swam yeah. from Cuba yeah. to Florida. What's amazing is so, um, she's 66 right now. And she did when she was 63. Uh-huh. Um, and wasn't it like, hadn't she tried it so she, many times? Uh, four times okay. before the, before like she was 32. Yeah. She ended up going 30 years without swimming, 30 years without swimming a stroke. Really? When she was 60, she read a poem and had this magical brink of midnight moment where wow. she said, I've got to do, do something with myself. Yeah. And literally the switch got flipped at 60. Wow. Yeah. That was her brink of midnight moment. And what's 
interesting is how That's these amazing. amazing feats, you know, there are thousands of people who have summited Everest, but only one human being in the history of humanity who has gone from Cuba to Florida via swimming. In the water. Yeah. In the water. Yeah. It's just, it's, and it's amazing to hear these stories. It's really inspirational. Um, is anyone I, like, ah, I don't know. No. John, I don't know. I don't yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. really. It just Not sort really. of happened for yeah, me. I don't yeah, know. he's just trucking right along. It's been you know, right. like, yeah, nothing. No. How, how many it, times have you cried? You know what? I sat down. Uh, Trent Dilfer uh, yeah. was one of my our, um, God, one of my got, guests. He just got uh, the axe, which I think he's. From, I think he's one of the best guys. I think, on there. I think he is the best. I, I love one of the Trent best Dilfer guys on there. And when you and when you say, I I actually interviewed him the day. Oh, you that, did the oh, day Jesus. that. Okay. Um, He'll find that, he's, job, that he's well, but here's the thing. Yeah. He lost his son when his son was five and a half. Right, right, right. right. And that. when you hear the story, yeah. the way that um, the way that he pours with emotion, I mean, I was bawling. Right. I mean, I'm bawling and he's like, look, ESPN is fantastic. Love it. Yeah. It is just a job. Yeah. And That's there are other jobs, but there are not just, I'm not just having another son like this. Sure. Like, this is that my son. Is and that moment, moment was such a puts brink of midnight yeah. moment and puts everything in perspective. But it's really uplifting to hear, look, that look think about how down he was at oh, that yeah. moment. And he's come out of it. Sure. So the idea of what the audience is taking away is yeah. no, no matter how dark you think your moment is. Yeah. There are others who Dude, are, or that's are a good point. dark. My son is five and a half right now. <laughs> right now. He's right. five and a half years <laughs> right. old. Right. I cannot right. imagine. And right. you, getting fired by ESPN is crap compared to that. Yeah. Man. You're like, Nerdist has canceled our <laughs> podcast? <laughs> Screw them! Who gives a shit? Yeah, so it's it's really inspirational. We're, I'm, I'm, I just feel very blessed to have great relationships, even um, you know across the spectrum. We, you know, we we got I got Marshawn Lynch to sit oh, down yeah. and become really good friends with uh, Marshawn. He's one of the, you know, he's one of one of the people that I've met where I've oh, I've really struck up a relationship. Yeah, and he's such an interesting. Yeah, he seems like an interesting guy. Oh my god, he is. Where was so, he on the spectrum of of coming back to the Raiders when you when you talked to him? You know, it, it? it was a couple weeks before. Okay, it was literally like two weeks before, and he yeah. mentioned not a word of it. Yeah. Really, not, okay. not a word. Okay. And the reason being, he's. One of the most authentic people yeah. you will ever meet, and when when you meet him, people people aren't sure what am I going to get from him. When I tell you he is authentic, yeah. he owns everything he does. Yeah. And when you hear his brink of midnight moment and his philosophy on life, because I dive deep with with each of the guests, on yeah. what is your philosophy on life? On how do we get past these moments? That, that might be a moment of darkness. How do we live a better life? How do we inspire others to be their best? Marshawn Lynch doling out you know, philosophical advice as to how to live. Yeah. You've, you've never heard something more fascinating and more authentic. Well, yeah. it's interesting because he doesn't talk to anybody. He doesn't you know what I'm saying? And you had the opportunity to go deep with him. Yep. And I'm sure that's an interesting thing to people because – Yep. He, you know, he has a he has a policy. Yeah. He, he has a policy that he doesn't talk. Yeah. But it's funny because, like, when I, you know, you have the the Marshawn Lynch on sports science, and in that thing, in that piece, I was like, he seems like he might be a pretty funny guy, like that that he is just shutting down the media and all those prying cameras. But like, there was it looked like there were some like outtakes that you were using that were pretty funny. Oh yeah, and we and he was on sports science twice. Yeah, 
Like that, and so it wasn't just like a, oh, you got him once on for what he was doing a favor. No, he came back and he did my podcast, and right. you know, doing the Brink of Midnight podcast and featuring Marshawn Lynch waxing poetic about life. You've never heard anything like this, yeah. and he, I mean, he's no holds barred on this is the way you need to live life. Yeah, and you know, his the persona of shutting down the media is very intentional because he he feels very strongly. That these mixed messages get really like words get twisted, yeah. quotes get mm-hmm. just just parsed and mixed up, and he's just like, I I don't want to deal with that. Like yeah. that's I am who I am. I will play th- I will play this game, and I'm going to go home to my family. He still lives in the same neighborhood where he grew up. Really? Yeah. I mean, he made he's obviously made a ton of money. He's yeah. done very well. Beast the Beast Mode brand is sure. done really well. Yeah. But he's so authentic. I I said to him, Well, why don't you just buy a big you know, big mansion in Beverly Hills and yeah. live the life. He said, why should I give Beverly Hills the privilege of having me live in their neighborhood? <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm, I want to go home to my family and I want, I want my cousins to be around me. I yeah. want the kids in the neighborhood to be around me. I want to be, and he has a, a great foundation. Is he an Oakland guy? Is he from Oakland? He is. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's he's awesome. from yeah. Oakland. Now he's going to play there. Yeah, he's from well, Oakland. He's going to play Vegas. He's playing Vegas. He's going to play. Yeah, he's going to. But he's Antonio. playing for the Rangers. So that was his thing, but yeah. but it's it's really amazing. That's amazing. As, as the uh, the format of doing this podcast thing has has been fun for you, it's a different format. It's, a, oh, it's yeah. so much. You were talking about bite sized stuff earlier. This is much more of a a deep dive. It is. Situation. It's a it's a deep dive, and, and the reason why I feel I feel strongly that there is a big audience for this is because it's nothing but nothing but good and yeah. nothing but positive. This is nothing but good news. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be controversial. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm not trying to shake things up. I'm trying to just look, spread positive energy. Yeah. And I think sports science is proof. It was, it was interesting when we sold sports science, um, you know, originally went to Fox, you're like, Oh, we got to change the name. I'm like, why? Like, cause science, like science is so geeky and nerdy. And I'm like, science is cool, dude. Like yeah. science is like people are interested in what other human beings can do. Let's just call it what it is. Sport science. Right. That's Simple. what it is. Yeah. I'm like, and for this podcast, I'm like, it is a brink of midnight moment. Like yeah. if I tell you that moment and didn't tell you anything what the podcast is about, you're like, it's right before midnight. Right. It's like right before, right before your carriage turns into a pumpkin. Yeah. Right. It's like right before something happens, life takes a different direction. I feel that being positive and perpetuating positive energy is yeah. so badly needed today. Oh, yeah. And the divisiveness on both sides and the political spectrum, but also just, I don't know if it's even real. Like, I keep asking, do you think it's real with the the negative energy or is it just what we're being fed? I can't. Mm, I think it's real. I mean, I think there's a reality. I mean, we have the same situation in the sense that, um, you know, we make comedy films and, uh, and this, we just finished this Super Troopers 2 movie and, and. The weird thing for us is uh, even in the world of comedy, it's become very polarized right. where people are taking sides whenever it is. And we have a weird situation because the, the original Super Troopers kind of cut across different boundaries. There, right. there, are, there are red state fans and there are blue state fans of that movie. Right. And we go do live comedy shows and, the co- and half of the audience are cops and yeah. the other half are stoners. Right. And it's a really weird dynamic. And, and once you start throwing negativity towards one side or the other then it gets it it kind of hurts that dynamic of inclusiveness and about hey we can all have a laugh and have a good time and i think that's part of what we're hoping that people will appreciate about this new movie is that yeah like this guy has a very strong opinion as a comic um and this guy has a different opinion and whatever it is but we can all come and watch this movie and laugh at it it's okay don't you guys think so 
you guys are deeply entrenched in the comedy scene. Yeah. Don't you think, uh, you know, I have two kids, mm. nine and 11. It, it, we're watching movies from the 80s. Yeah. When you watch movies from the 80s, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe that they, they just said that. that. Yeah, right, I no. can't believe that they just did that. <laughs> yeah. right. But I'm telling you, growing up, yeah, like yeah. growing up, I, I don't recall people saying, you know what Eddie Murphy is? Eddie Murphy is a racist. He's a homophobe. Right. He's a misogynist. He, all of his bits were based on poking fun at groups, but I don't, nobody threw those labels on him because it was funny. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just, oh, look, he's a comedian making us laugh. And I actually wrote a paper in college. Yeah. Um, that was about the rise and fall of Andrew Dice Clay. Okay, <laughs> and this is what I this is what I said, and this and was the rise so, again, yeah, right, and the rise again. <laughs> yeah, what right. was interesting is that I said about about Andrew Dice Clay. I'm like, he like rocketed on the scene, and everybody was like, oh my god, this is hilarious, and it's just so vulgar, and it's cutting edge, and blah blah blah. <coughs> but then Ford Fairlane came out, and he was doing the media circuit, right, and in that media circuit, he never broke character, yeah, and people weren't sure, right, is this guy. Serious? Sure. Because if he's serious, we're not on board. Yeah. Yeah. Right? But if he's really just making it up and like making a joke out of it, we're okay. And I, and I, but he seemed to use that to his convenience, though. He did. He, you know what I mean? Like, I'm a character. I'm not real me. Exactly. I mean, you know, whatever he you wanted to tell. Yeah. Whereas with Eddie Murphy, yeah. you could tell. You're like, oh, he's in and he's out, yeah. and right. you know, like we we know we know where that line is. Right. Um, it feels like in the in the the world today. I mean, even as a comic, you've heard you know Chris Rock say you know like, I can't play colleges. Yeah. You know, I'm like I'm I don't know about this college scene because it it's so sensitive now, and I. It is, but I mean, I think I think also, and it's not just generated from the comic. I think it's generated from the perception of the crowd, right? So, right. like even like I don't know if you saw this article. I think it was New York Times recently about the politicization of ESPN. I don't know if you've seen I, this. I, I saw and, it, and read it, yeah. Many, many and so, and it's it's like you know when people are starting to read uh, politics into Sports Center. Right. It becomes a. You realize how polarized and a weird situation it is. How people are looking for messages in places maybe they aren't. I mean, yeah. I get it. Everyone's got an opinion, and sometimes those opinion and and picking Caitlyn Jenner as as your uh, athlete of the year or whatever has a political message, I guess. But 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 then they start to look at everything that way, and it's like you know, I'm sitting there watching Sports Center, and I'm trying to f- making a political assessment of what they're saying. I think that goes a little too far. But I think it's know? a combination of a lot of different things. You right. know, I mean, that's certainly one aspect of it. I do think the digital age has a lot to do with it. Whether it's you know, people are much more self involved. I mean, God, we were driving next to that. Girl on the PCH the other day. <laughs> right. She's riding shotgun. Literally, she had her cell phone in one hand and she was looking at herself, like taking selfies, and she would alternate between the phone and the side mirror. And she just kept, she looked at herself. <laughs> we were side by side with her all the way down the PCH. She never took her eyes off of herself. True. But there's, so I think people are self absorbed, maybe oversensitive in some ways. I do think it's these bites that we talk about. Like, you know, I mean, look at Ryan Leaf, for instance. Right. Like, and, you know, he might be a bad example, but, like, you know, you see bites of people imploding. You see the things that everybody sees are the most sensational things that are out right. there that day. Right. And a lot of them are negative. Right. You know, it's either, it's either the positive kitty video right. that people make fun of or it's like, do you see that dude go nuts and throw the thing at the other guy? You know, and it's like <laughs> you don't know what went on in that person's day oh, or yeah. what's going on in their life at that moment in time, you, you know. That you're saying yeah. Ryan Leaf has a whole other side to him that maybe started commenced after all that, but and one thing that you hear in the Brink of Midnight podcast is diving deep with people, and you get tremendous 
empathy yeah. for those people who haven't made it yet, who haven't dug themselves out of their hole, who haven't made it through the darkness yet, who haven't emerged into the light. You get a tremendous amount of empathy because any any one of these really famous, powerful people could things could have turned out differently, and they sure. all are very open about. Oh no. It could have turned out very – it's just one decision, one thing, and it could have been very different. Yeah. But for me, I'm incredibly fortunate. The, the people that uh, in the podcast, they're like, for me, it worked out because I kept going no matter what, and I kept going one step at a time. And I, and I really love to make a point about – so how do you relate to the universe of – you know, whatever your religious belief is, you know, and they're, they're everything from atheists to Mormons to, you know, to Catholics to, you know, uh, many people, the Jewish faith that are on the podcast. And I'm like, we're all, no matter what religion we have, we all really have the same goal. Yeah. We want to just spread goodness. We really do at our core. We at our core, if someone's walking along and they trip, you help them up. Yeah. Like right. I, that's that's just at our core. And as a society, it feels like if someone trips, we take a picture of it. Yeah. Like we're not helping And have a laugh at it. Yeah. Yeah, We're like, ah, we're going to laugh and I'm going to send it to my buddy. Or if somebody's getting attacked, we just film it. Right. Yeah. Let me me whip out my camera. I have enough time and wherewithal to whip out my camera to shoot a video and to upload it and to – but rather than just trying to help out. Yeah. Like it's, and it's really sort of that idea of, look, we need, we need way more positive energy and yeah. way more and it's out empathy. There. I mean, I think it's out, like you said, you know, you focus on that stuff because that's the stuff that's presented to us. Yeah. You know what I mean? There are more people who will help that person up than who will film that person. Than who will take I a think, picture. I believe yeah. that. But, uh, you know, I think you ultimately know? going back to the, you know, I, I think there is a wave of negativity that has come as a result of this. And you see it in like, there is. even in your, like, your chat forums and your, you know, your feedback things, the trolls, you know, all right. that stuff. It's people are just, because they're anonymous as well, and like people are just at each other's throats, and there's so much vitriol. Like, I mean, it's 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 pretty terrible. I'm going to ask you, what do you think happens from here? I think there needs to be a public figure who rises up as a positive uh, point of view and Maybe. a positive message. And uh, I think that person has Maybe. to. What's that? You? Me? Yes. Yeah, I'm same. raising my hand. Yeah. I'm saying. I'm but gonna, I think, I'm uh, take but I think also, like it. in terms of uh, right. on the pl- in the political sphere, right. in the whatever sphere, there has to be these people now who have to come up and say, "No, this is the message. The message is positive." Well, then, that's, and, and that's it's the not. We're not there. We're well, not no, there. because because our leader now is yeah. the most polarizing figure potentially ever in our government. Yeah. I don't know. But he's only one per- right. uh, he's only one person. There are I know, a lot I know, of other people who I know, who but perpetuate look at, that. Like, look at what's happening right now as a result of this election. I mean. You know, people. I'm not in a political family, but like yeah. we talk about politics all the time. Sure, now, and yeah. it's like, and, and I can't stand it. But I think that John's right. Though, like, where do we go? Right? Where do you? Where, where do, do we go, go from here? How do we? How do we get out of this? It's like it, we're, I think you have to have positive message. Well, it's, it's 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 the interesting thing because like you know, I remember growing up, we had grit. The Good News newspaper. Do you right. guys remember that? No. What is that? What is it? Grit? Was grit? It, it was no. like a uh, – you could get it out of the back of a comic book, yeah. but it was Grit, the all good news newspaper. <laughs> okay, okay. And it was, you know, not very long, but yeah. like it was – it only had good articles about <laughs> right. things that were good. And I think it was uh, – I swear to God, I think it was Good Morning America, like their website. I think I was just looking – I might be totally wrong, but I went to like some website recently and at the top of it, like uh, on the menu bar, it had good news. Yeah. And I clicked on it. It was just like it was it had good stories, and mm. I found that so refreshing because right. I was like, God, we have descended into this time, even like school shootings and yeah. like all of these like really terrible acts of humanity, where that's all we're looking at, and that's all like 
the news channels are leading with. Mm-hmm. You know, they want like that's how they catch you. Like this thing. Yeah. What, what's interesting is part of uh, you know going back to UVA when we when we would um, argue when you make an argument, yeah, um, such as in entertainment, you're making an argument. Is entertainment creating or reflecting society? Yeah. And you and you say it's kind of both. both. It's both. It's yeah. both, right? You're creating a set yeah. of behaviors that mm-hmm. you are saying, "Oh, this is now in the realm of possibilities." But at the same time, it wouldn't be appealing if it wasn't reflecting. Yeah, right. So it's it kind of is end up doing both. And I think there's a responsibility. There's a responsibility on an individual basis for people to say, you know what? A joke is a joke. Yeah. If a yeah. joke is meant as a joke, it's a joke. Right. If something – like let's – I want I, – I, I like to say let's reserve using the ist's name for when it's – like that's actually what it, sure. it, it is. There is the possibility someone is just a jerk yeah. to everybody. Yeah. Like that – and that's, that's like a people list. Like they just don't like people. They're sure. just a jerk to everybody. When you look at do you like Trump? Do you hate Trump? How do you feel about it? My question is, look, it is what it is. Yeah. What are you going to do now? Yeah. Like what – how do we move forward? Not everybody loved Obama. Yeah. Super charismatic. But sure. a lot of people that didn't like him, obviously. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I thought, you know, he was a cool dude. Yeah. But people didn't like him. But yeah. what do you do from here? And how do you – how do you end up perpetuating that positive energy that's inside of all of us? And that's – you know, I really hope that – you know that that the podcast, that the Brink of Midnight podcast, is one of those things that we can point to and say, "Here's a place to go to feel good, yeah, and to perpetuate that positive energy." Yeah. yeah. Why did you decide? I mean, you know, most of the stuff you've done so far is, you know, is on TV. Yep. And uh, why did you decide you want to do podcast as a medium as opposed to? So the reason why is I think it's the most immediately accessible, mm-hmm. and I think that it's available everywhere. Yeah. Um, it's really accessible, and it's also something that in order to get the level of guest that I want to get, you got to be portable and nimble sure. and able at a moment's notice to, to grab, to seize the day. Yeah. So you're going to a lot of people. I'm going to a lot of people. I'm traveling around, um, yeah. you know, I'm making it easy for everybody. Yeah. Um, so Are you flying to go see guests? Uh, sometimes. Yeah. yeah I try to couple things the together. Big ones. The big ones. Yeah. Though, the big the ones, ones that are worth it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not you. worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Not you, but Marshawn Lynch. Yes. He drove here. <laughs> <laughs> he did. That's true. Yeah. Uh, and no, how many are you putting out a week? I mean, so we're going to start with two a week start two for a week. the first wow. two months, okay. and then probably get down to uh, one a one week. One a week. Yeah. You know, we'll probably. Do. It becomes kind of grueling. But I guess you know you're banking them. You're banking them. We're banking them. We have we have five six months of content. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, guys, look at so this guy. That bank. pisses me off. Frank is you know? that pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's the seven P's of life. It's prior proper planning prevents piss poor performance. Oh, that's that's my father sitting me down. Is it? That's my father sitting me down saying it in a very different tone okay yeah okay okay <laughs> yeah. hey let me ask you a couple of, let me see where we are here we okay um i want to ask a couple other things Good. um we talk about it a lot because lemmy uh was recently in, working in that space but the um i mean you you have cut your i mean you have made a, a mark in this kind of reality tv world and if you look at your resume, I mean, it's amazing the amount of uh, stuff that you produce. Yeah. Or, and I don't know, I don't know if you're in a day to day basis on them, or you're a consulting producer, or however it is. But your resume is huge. Yeah, I mean, it 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 was working in a space yeah. where we really wanted to stay away from really negative stuff. Even way back when we yeah. were just starting and started to make shows, we gravitated toward the science end of things yeah. because it it was. The way to positively spin things, we did a show on A&E called Crime 360. Yeah. And it was the real life CSI. And it yeah. was 
I, I will tell you, it was probably one of the hardest shows to legally make okay. in television history. Because, because, because they were active cases going oh, on. Oh, okay. And okay. We're, we're analyzing yeah, actual sure. evidence, you know, but we did like 36 episodes of it on A&E. Yeah. Um, it did really well for us. And it was, um, it was, a, it was very interesting to dive into the science of homicide and how detectives end up cracking it. And was, yeah. what, was, what was interesting is how the science portion um, doesn't come into play as much as you would think. It usually ends up being someone opens uh, their someone mouth. Someone confesses, yeah. Just yeah. somebody opens <laughs> yeah. their mouth. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's sort of the, no one can, you know, no one can keep a secret. And, and you, we talked to a lot of, um, you know, a lot of police officers and a lot of detectives, and they're like, you know what? If people just kept their mouths shut, yeah. they would get away. It'd be hard to do. I, I thought, didn't you do a series that was like that, like the science of not that specifically, but like what makes people just start talking? Like I feel like I saw something in there that was like the science of evil or like the science of like of attraction. <laughs> God, we've done so many different ones. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure, but I mean, I can tell yeah. you the, you know, the reason why I can tell you. You know, sort of the psychological reason behind why people talk is the same reason why you saw that woman taking selfies of them uh, of herself. Yeah. Because if you don't say it, it's not real. If you don't take a picture of it, it's not real. Yeah. It doesn't become something that's real. So you somehow have to get it out of you. Yeah. That's why these serial killers, you know, that's a deep, deep Cry secret. For help. Yeah. That's a deep, deep secret <laughs> yeah. that they just kept their mouth shut. Yeah. They like didn't tell anybody anything anytime. Yeah. You know, until finally they're like, oh, I gotta say something. Yeah. yeah. I can't you take know. it anymore. I can't take I it anymore. The secret's too much. This has been um, on my mind yeah. for a little while. <laughs> but uh just in in this in the world of reality TV, because we've we've pitched reality and you've you've worked some reality TV. It's like yeah. what is it that makes it successful? Like what it's like we always talk about what makes a, a viral video go viral. Like what is it that makes a reality man. TV show successful? Man, you know what? The all that I can say is I don't think anybody actually knows. I think the key yeah. is I, this is what I always say. You have to be authentic, meaning be something. Yeah. I, I love to refer to Nirvana. Like, okay. can you imagine if someone said to Kurt Cobain, you know what? The voice is a little screechy. <laughs> like, it's a little raspy. Can right. you sing a little clearer for me? Yeah. Yeah. It's like Nirvana made such a bit, was such a giant hit. Because it was so authentic. It yeah. just was. what. It, and when you think about those entertainment properties that end up breaking through, they just are what they are. And when you try to be something that you're like, oh, well, you know, this is the kind of song that people are liking and I'm just going to – it doesn't – it usually doesn't work. It's but isn't it that, that breaks out. There's always that tension though in, in, our, in our world and, right. and it's a business, right? And so you're trying to sell things to someone that yep. you think they want. And and the authenticity sometimes is that pull with that. There is, and and it's then it's try to figure out how to make that work. You know what I mean? It's that great balance, right? Yeah. And you know there are many artists who make something brilliant and then turn around and make something that's terrible. Yeah. Because they're they they're they just thought, well, I'm being authentic to it. It's a it's a really it's a tricky business. But in the business has changed so much now. I mean, in terms of cable television networks, yeah. I mean, what does a cable television network today, right this second? have over you know joeblow.com yeah like you can you can get programmed that's why these the proliferation of programming and finding good content yeah. is eliminating the need for a network you you look at you know my my kids they're 11 and 9 i'm not kidding you yeah they couldn't name a network no beyond absolutely ESPN. mine too mine yeah. watch the youtube and they watch whatever 100 yeah. percent. but the fact is though you still need money to make that stuff, but like a, you still need to find that's that's where sometimes. that comes in. But you know there's I mean? something interesting, that, you know, the, the link between 
cable TV and science, for instance. Right. You know, uh, I mean, like one of the reasons I like watching cable TV is because previously, you know, you'd watch network TV, and to me, it was just false and fake. Right. It didn't ring true because it was not people speaking the way I spoke. Whereas now, at least on cable, you know, you've got like you can swear and it's R rated. It's just like for me, it's just a little bit more relatable. You know, frankly, it seems like science. When you're dealing with science, you're dealing with the absolute truth of something. And I do think that, like for me, always the most fascinating thing has been when you're seeing the the absolute truth uncovered in something. Like there's no arguing with science and numbers. You know, there it is, right there. And that to me is fascinating. It goes back to the sports science thing. Like, right. wow, look at like all the different factors that actually have to come into play. Yeah, I and I I really enjoy making an argument and making sure that the argument stacks up using science to yeah, back it up absolutely. and that regardless what the topic is you want to say look this and and it's this kind of science where this is science we can all agree on this is newtonian physics stuff right, right. it's like as opposed to climate change right science, as opposed to climate right. change right, right, right. you know and here here's an interesting thing about climate change that <laughs> yeah. i've always like th- this is the argument that needs to be made and when i when i end up running for whatever office I, yeah. that i'm going to run for here yeah. here's my platform on on climate change there's no way to prove one way or the other uh-huh. unless we have an equal planet that has no people and no machinery, no sure. nothing for the same amount of time as to what has caused it or not caused or whatever. So let's not argue about that. Sure. How about we're just anti-pollution? Yeah. I don't want to breathe that air. Yeah. I don't want my water to be polluted. Like that's what we need to sure. focus on. It's like you look over, you know, go to Hong Kong and get get a whiff of the, you know, the factory smog that's just coming oh, yeah. in. You're like, I don't want to breathe that. Yeah. That's my platform. You know that's going on. Right. But that's, I know it's bad for me. Right. I know it's, it's become bad a reverse thing though, where people are like, well, prove it, and then here you guys prove it, and then you know I don't, and that's I, the problem. Yeah, know? I don't have to prove that it's bad. For I know. You. Like, I, you know it's bad for you because we can prove that six ways to Sunday. Sure, everybody knows it's bad for you. Right. Me. In terms of the planet, you know, <laughs> did you read free, uh, Super Freakonomics? Yeah. There's a great chapter in there mm-hmm. about global warming yeah. that takes the exact counter argument that's talking about all the emissions actually cooling down the planet. And there's this big think tank, and I'm not saying I support it. Yeah. I'm saying that there are definitely two sides to this, mm-hmm. which I don't think you could ever definitively prove it. When people say, yeah, but the climate is changing. Yeah. You're like, well, in LA, they're like, what about the drought in LA? I'm like, yeah, we went seven years with very little water because you're in a desert. Yeah. But then it just pours down on you for two years and now your water tables are back to normal. Mm-hmm. Like, is that abnormal, normal? Like, I don't know if there's any way to really prove over millions of years what's normal or abnormal, but we need to take arguments that you can actually prove and that everybody agrees. Who's who's pro-pollution? Yeah. Who's like, pollute the air more? I am, John. I am. Well, nobody is, <laughs> but it's how much pollution, and that is really the argument. Yeah, I mean, Corporations are saying, how much can we pollute uh, before it becomes too much? And that's that... That's that weird, like, you're the mayor in Jaws, you know? It's like, uh, this kid got eaten by a shark. Well, I don't think we should close the beaches. You know what I mean? We might, you know, <laughs> things might still be okay. You know? And it's like, no, close the fucking beaches. You right. know what I mean? Close it down. The There's a shark. I do love that you just compared the mayor in Jaws to the corporations, but it's true. <laughs> but it's true. It is true. It is true. It close is the beach. You're sitting yeah. there watching the movie. You're going, close the beaches! You're going <laughs> to close the beaches! Hold on. You're going to close the beach on the 4th of July? Yeah. yeah. We're going to lose money. <laughs> it's our biggest weekend. Close the beaches! <laughs> that's, what I, yeah, that's what I always think. It's I true. Know. It's uh, Bert Kreischer was a friend of ours. He's a comic, and um, he says the the trick to selling a reality TV show is a great title. He's like, you give him a great title, and that's all you need. <laughs> I think I don't know. Yeah, you know what I would. I don't say, know if that's true, but you know, he's a good title guy. It, I much. mean, like like when you say like ah, oh, that's a great titer, title. Yeah, 
I like you can look at a lot of shows, point to it, and say, "Is that really a great title? Was that was that the right title yeah. or not?" Yeah. Like, I don't know. You know, all of sport, our movies are like that. So. Sports science is a great example yeah. of a, was that the right title? Like, yeah. you know, they wanted to call it like you know Factor X or something. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if people will know what it is. Like, sure, it's, you have a great title tells you what it tells is. you what you're watching. Yeah, and sports and, science. science. <laughs> but that's sport it. science. No, no, no I know this. I know this. Sport. That's right. Know sport this. science. Know you want to know? I know this. I know this. I'm a fan. I have a, right. I have a sports science question that I, I want to ask you. And I don't know. You may have done an episode on this. I don't claim to have seen all 1,500 of them. I Go apologize. On. It's all right. But, um, uh, okay. Why do more act- athletes seem to get injured these days mm. than in the past? Mm. Oh. And I have a theory on it. I have a theory on mm. it. Yeah. And that theory is, um, well, I mean, there's a lot of things. There's uh, caution and how expensive these guys are now and, and that kind of stuff. But I think also one argument I've heard is that the uh, – the muscle structure, like the muscles have become so uh, built up and strong, yet the ligaments and the bones and that kind of stuff, they, you, you can't build them up. And so the, the muscles are, are too strong for the structure of the body. And, and that's, that's why people get injured so much. That's an excellent answer. Yeah. I think that's part of the answer for sure is that just as a species, whether it's whatever magic stuff people are doing, whether it's a new training regimen or a new supplement or whatever it is, we're, we're stronger than ever. We know that. So our frame is not getting stronger, but the, the muscles that are surrounding it right. are getting stronger. Yeah. So you get these bizarre, you know, ripping the pec off your yeah. chest. And the bicep off your arm. Bio, yeah, you like know. just weird injuries that <laughs> yeah. it's just clearly we're just too strong. But right. there's a second reason that I think it's happening is because we're now in a generation where people are specializing in sports too early. Yeah. So when you look at That's Tommy John surgery yeah. and you look at the epidemic of Tommy John surgery, it's because people are pitching since they were five all year yeah. round. Right. Curve right. right. Just right. curveballs. But and when you look at the science of a curveball versus a fastball, that's a that's a that's a small factor versus the number of times you've you thrown throw. the ball. Yeah. By the time you reach the major leagues, you've thrown a career. But the old school argument is that you build up the strength of your arm by throwing much. That's why you get the Jim Cots of the world and things like that saying, but if pitch you, counts bullshit and da da da. But right, but pitch count should yeah. happen in season. You should, yeah. you should, it as a child and you know, even, even through high school, you should play other sports. Yeah, yeah. I think you're Do right. Other things, it, like rest your arm. Yeah, Don't I'm going through that now with my kid where it's like, you know, the kids who play year-round baseball are better at it. Of course. And so you throw your kid into that world, and my kid plays soccer and whatever it is, and he's not as good as those kids who play year-round. And you're in your mind like, God, I, you know, for but his how, good, but he's going to compete. He's nine. Right. Hey, but you're like, if he, if he wants to compete with these really good kids, you got to play year-round baseball now. You know, and I'm like, right. but, but he doesn't want to, and it's not going to happen. But I'm just saying that's the mentality. As a kid. It's not even just, I want my kid to be the greatest baseball player. Mine is now, in order for him to compete, at a level with the kids now, he's got to do that. First of all, there's kids that specialize in just baseball. I know. Right? There are only so many slots. Yeah. Right? There yeah. Are, so when you just do the math on what's the probability that my kid is going to make one of those slots in, at the major league level. Right. Those odds. Zero. Yeah. Those odds <laughs> yeah. are, you know, especially in privileged neighborhoods sure. where they have private coaches. Oh, yeah. Private, I'm like, private batting coaches. You see this shit. It's yeah, unbelievable. Like, look, at, look at the backstory of the guys that made it that came from, Ryan you Leaf. know, 
Yeah, Marinovich is a good story. Ryan he was Lee. one of those guys who was manufactured to be a quarterback, yeah. and then he spun out of control. Well, and that's another Todd thing, too. You're making somebody who's very one-dimensional. <laughs> yeah, right. He makes him as a dimension. Ryan Leaf is not a good example, but yeah. a good example is you know someone like A-Rod. He yeah. didn't have a private coach when he's eight. Right. Right. He's not living in great conditions and sure. saying, how am I going to get out of this? The kids that are... The kids that essentially, and when I say That's kids, through high school, when they when they look at the roads that they can go down, the privileged neighborhoods, those kids have options. Yeah. Yeah. They can't be singularly focused. Yeah. Kids that are coming out of underprivileged neighborhoods, their options get narrowed and get limited, and they're probably going to work harder. They're probably going to figure the game out because that's their road out. Yeah. They're like, I'm getting out of it. You know, we had I had uh, Santonio Holmes yeah. on uh, the Brink of Midnight podcast, and he – Came from a very small town, um, third part, third poorest um, county in Florida. Yeah, and they re- he refers to it as the muck. And that one place, he was his big brink of midnight moment happened when he was eleven. Wow! And okay. he had five brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. and he was raising them. He had all from different fathers. Wow. And he was he the biggest. Was, he, was the he was the oldest at eleven. And he went to his grandmother, and he said. You know what? There's greatness inside of me that's never going to come out if I'm a parent at 11. Yeah, I I need to be able to I need to be able to tap into the great. Like at this point, he's not a football player; he's a yeah. dad. Yeah. And his grandmother said, "Come to church with me, follow the way, mm-hmm. and I got your back." Mm-hmm. And he said, from that point forward, not only he's like, "Look, I ended up going to Ohio State. I ended up going to the Steelers. I ended up making the catch. That catch. He's like, that didn't change my life. Yeah. That day when I was 11, that changed my life. And from that small town. There has generated 35 NFL players. Oh, wow. really? Do you know how many NFL players have come from my hometown, Vienna, Virginia? Like, I think it's still <laughs> yeah, zero. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't like, know if any from my hometown. Yeah. It's like the odds of making players? it, the odds of making it are so slim, but the, but that's the way out. He's right. like, look, there are only so many ways that I could get out of that sure. place. And yeah. athletics was one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's part of motivation. Though. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, that's the... Uh, the power to do everything lies within yourself. It oh, does, Steve. Wow, Steve Lemmy. Well, I've got it. I've got it. I've got a uh, a question for you. Do you agree with this? So everybody says you can do anything you want. Yeah. I say you can do anything you can. Okay. Well, agree or disagree? I mean, hold on a sec. You, you can't had a, do. You've had a while want. to think about this. <laughs> you can't do anything you want. Yeah. You can't do. Anything I mean, I get. You I get the. No, theory. You know what I'm saying? I, I get the theory. I yeah. can't play in the NFL. Or can I? No, you can't. Could I have? No. Why not? No, we're, only got like one right now, when people, <laughs> when people say, and I think this is an important distinction. Yeah. When people say you can do anything you want, yeah. I'm like, well, define want, and really, it's better said you can do anything you can. Can you be president? Yeah. yeah. Sure. Sure, you can be president. Yeah. Can you? Can you jump up using no external help <laughs> at all and touch the moon? No. Like, no. You cannot. You cannot. So it's not what you want, no matter how many times sure. you want to. And that's an important distinction, though, right. because part of part of having a realization in life, and whether it be a brink of midnight moment or some other kind of moment in your life, part of it is saying, you know what? I am going to continue because I can do it. Right. Another part is, you know what? I need to abandon this because I can't. Yeah. I just yeah. I I can't do. This is a bad road to go down. This is not something that's that I should be doing. Sure. You know whether it's good or bad, and I think that's an important distinction. No, sure. Yeah. I mean, and, and certainly, I mean, you owe, you come across it, it, in show business. 
frankly. We come across a lot of people who should probably give up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, like you're looking at one right now. Like, I don't mean that. The president company you wanna, excluded. Yeah, son of you want to you want to be down at the bus depot and just as they're getting off, saying, "Stud, just stay on." Yeah, no, don't go back. Well, turn around. Turn around. No, because there are, around, there are two around. sides to it. Because we meet a lot of people at our live shows, and they yeah. say, "Can you give me some advice?" How, how do I make it in this business? And we, it's the exact same thing that you were talking about Soderbergh saying. It's like, you say, just keep shooting. Just shoot. Yeah. Make as much just stuff do. as you can. Do. Just yep. do it. Do. Just do it. Do. You meet other people who like, you see the stuff and you're like, I don't know if you should keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you should. You should find another, another avenue. Want versus can. There you or go. just, you know. Just want versus can. Yeah. And, you know, and when you, what's interesting though is that even the people that are putting out, call it art, and you're like, oh, that's no good. I would say keep making art because the scene may change overnight. Sure. Like, who knows? Yeah. You know, yeah. that all of a sudden, you know, look at, you know. Jose you Bautista. At, all of a sudden, you're, you're hitting 230, and then you're hitting 300, hitting 30 home runs. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Joey, like, ba- Joey Bats. Those are the kind of things that you're like, I don't know. You know, I don't know. Like, I would encourage, like, largely, I encourage people, follow your passion. Do do what it is that you want to do as sure. long as you can do it. Well, it's sure. like, like I, I tell my five-year-old, it's like, you know, he does karate now and stuff and, you know, he'll have like a great session or something. And, you know, I'm like, dude, I'm proud of you. But the, the most important thing is for you to be proud of yourself. Right. And that's it. You know, it's like you have to be true to yourself as a person. Make yourself happy. If you can't entertain yourself, you can't make yourself proud. Who who can you do uh, it uh, My wife. My wife? <laughs> <laughs> do you make your wife proud, Kevin? Uh, I don't know. She makes me proud. I'm proud of both of you, but that's not what's important. It's important that you're proud of yourself. Do you feel like, like just in the success that you guys have had, I mean, what, what happens if you hit that road, that roadblock where you're like, wow, that did nothing for me. Yeah. I completely failed. Are you the kind of person to say, I'm going to, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to keep going forward. Yeah, I think or so. are you like, wow, this is a brick wall. I think you guys are, yeah. you're the keep going forward. I think like, so. Huh, we've, I think learned. we've learned though yeah. that you have to have multiple avenues uh, in play at the same time, so that when you hit the brick wall, you actually have to. Yeah, I mean, it's like you know, it's it's. I, I do think there are certain amounts of good fortune and and luck. You know, and some of these moments get manufactured from that. Like you know, for me, like I had a moment when I was sixteen. There's actually three moments together with the headmaster of my high school. But don't like, give your brink of moment. Don't now. you're going to be on the podcast, oh, I mean, don't, so don't give it don't away. Give but, it you away. Know, <laughs> but you know, but you know, it's like ultimately he said, "I will." They had kicked me out of my school, and then he was. Let me get caught cheating in his high school. He uh, and and I was going to be brought. I had asked him – the, the backstory is he liked me for, for a reason that I got, I got very lucky. And right. He, and he saw something and he liked it. But right. like ultimately said, look, yeah, you can come back to the school in New York City, but you have to get uh, a B-plus average. You, fi- you have to apply yourself. Right. And he's the one finally I was like, OK, I'll do it. Right. And when I saw that I could do it, it has never left me. Like so when you know, I mean the industry has come up with so many random ways to sure, beat us shit down. on you. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> at the end of the day I know that the weapon the, the best weapon I have is is me. You know you know what's interesting is like one of the other expressions I like to live by is don't quit unless you should. <laughs> and, and what I mean by that is so I've done a ton of endurance events. Yeah. You know, I've done five Ironman triathlons. Oh, right, you're triathlon. a triathlon. Yeah, triathlon. I've done five Ironman triathlons, and I've done, you know, the Leadville 100 mountain bike yeah. race. So far, so far. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. It, so I've done, and I've done, I've done like a, one of the longest open water swims. It was a competitive. It, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I've done a bunch of endurance events, and it takes a lot of stubbornness and a lot of putting your head down and just saying, no matter what I'm going for, I'm going to cross the finish line. This past year, I did, I was doing the Leadville 100 again. Yeah. And I went to the starting line completely 
unprepared, even though I'd already done it. What do you yeah. mean? Like you didn't train for like it? Like I didn't or? train for yeah. it. I was, I didn't have, I didn't eat right before it. You like got cocky. I just, you got cocky. I was just like, you know I what? The bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I can do this, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And I rode it and it's, there's a 12 hour cutoff and I, I rode and the first time that you get, you get to an aid station is about three hours into the race or so for me. And I got to the aid station and my wife was there and, and Lizzie's like, oh my God, you're doing amazing. You're 15 minutes ahead of your pace last time. Wow. And I went there and I was like, I feel like total dog shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I feel horrible. Like this is just awful. I should quit because I, my body is just telling me I should quit. I didn't quit. I kept going. I kept, and that was at mile, that, that, that's at mile 40. I go, you know, the next 20 miles and, and she's like, you're still doing great. I'm like, I feel horrible. <laughs> Cut to, I collapse on the mountain, have to get search and rescue come out to no pour, shit. literally at what put point? me in the like back. At what point of the race? Mile 85. Oh. I so collapse. Got- I'm, I'm literally, I'm, I'm now seizuring. My electrolytes are all out of whack. I have to be taken to the hospital and- I'm like, I'm like, why did I keep going? Yeah. What is the, what is the point of, of, can, what was I proving? Like I knew I should stop right. everything. Amy said to me stop, but I didn't. And it's funny. Jason Seahorn, who's become a good sure, friend of mine. Yeah. He said, it's a better story to be pulled away in an ambulance. <laughs> and just say that I quit. Yeah, I'm like, story. yeah, but isn't, doesn't that teach me a lesson of, you know what? Sometimes enough is enough. I should have stopped. Yeah. You needed to be taught the lesson first. I did, and, and I. But I, I don't know. Maybe you didn't learn the lesson. Maybe you'll go do the same thing again. I, you know, maybe I'm that. Maybe I'm that thick. It is, but I know? think that's. Like, I think you guys who do those triathlons and the marathons and whatever. Like I, my wife does marathons, and you know, you watch those things and. Like I would go stand at the at the finish line of those marathons, and the people would come across, and their legs would be spasming, and there'd be shit coming down their <laughs> leg, and you're like, "What the fuck? What are you doing yourself?" But that's what it, it's a different. I used, it's a different thing. I used to date a girl when mountain climbers would die. She would say, "Good." She's like, they, they deserve it. Really? It's like, why are you saying that? She's like, because if you can climb a mountain, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> really? Like, that's evil. I don't know. Yeah. There's different well, she people. Was bad, she was a bad girl. She was a she bad, was a bad really person. Bad She's a bad person. Yeah. Um, okay, we're at an hour and a half. Holy crap. Wow. Look at that. That went quick. It went quick, yeah. right? This is what we're talking this about. This is what we're talking about. You know, know, when you, when you meet people. Shit, yeah. yeah. Then all of a sudden, you're at an hour and a half. What the hell? Can I just bring up two sports sciences? <laughs> sure. Well, here's a question. Uh, Lemmy always does this. When we wrap up, then he has like two more things. He has like two more. But these are on my mind, though. Yeah. Because the Michael Jordan one, I feel like I would have had self-doubt after that. Like, have you seen the Michael Jordan one? What? You know the famous dunk in the free throw competition? So John did it himself. Oh, wow. Were you (laughs) shot out of a cannon or something? (laughs) I mean, no, he didn't do it. He didn't replicate it. Okay. He attempted to. And respectfully. Right. Fell so short of <laughs> Michael Jordan's <laughs> achievement. But what do you expect? No, I know, but like, fell ridiculously really, short. Really, really short. short. Okay. Well, okay. these are 45 year old knees now, yeah. three knee sure. surgeries. Sure. Your question is Did you? Did it make you like feel inadequate? <laughs> <laughs> do you want to know? Do you want to know the. It did not make me feel inadequate because I'm very realistic about my ability. So yeah. it was just about what I thought I would do. You should watch it. It's, <laughs> it's pretty funny. Okay. It's, I will. I, I mean, will. woefully it's, short. Well, it's, well, well, we, had, we had to lower the rim to yeah. my standing reach. 
Okay. In order to dunk from the free throw line, I mean, okay. it was ridi- it was ridiculous. It's so it's so ridiculous how low the rim. It literally had to be the same height like as my hand. Or seven feet. Or it was like seven and, feet. Okay. And did better yeah, than right. either of us. Than either uh, of us. Oh, I'm right. sure. I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. It, you know, I, I did not feel inadequate because I'm very realistic as to what I can do. <laughs> yeah, but it does show you, by the way. It's and that only one, one Michael Jordan. That, Come on. that right. one illustrated very clearly the difference between a professional athlete oh. and a regular person. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, the other one I want to yeah. ask you about was the uh, was the uh, like the ultimate uh, groin kick. I yeah. did notice that the, a lot of the sports science dealt with nut shots. <laughs> <laughs> only because that's only because they they get the most hits. Yeah, because they had the most hits on YouTube and they yeah. rise to oh, the yeah. top. Come on, that that was insane. That's, what was that? Tell, tell me that. I don't see that one. Oh my god! It's these martial artists who they have trained themselves in the art of receiving death blows, okay. like blows in okay. pressure points. Right. The Adam's apple. The and they'll balls. survive it because they've trained. And, yeah. and they're showing footage. It, like guys getting karate chopped in the throat and getting yeah. kicked in the balls. And they just sit there. They're stoic. Like yeah. This. yeah, we have Justice, who was one of the American gladiators. Okay, okay. Also trained in, in uh, Taekwondo, yeah. kicking um, Ooh, kicking his gentleman square in the nuts as hard as it, – it is the world record for the hardest kicked in the nuts. It's Holy ridiculous. Crap. And they didn't face him? It's ridiculous. He was, he, he, you got to watch it, man. He just, he just literally – Pats off his brow and he's like, "Wow, that was a hard kick. That was okay. <laughs> yeah, and on to the next the time. Air. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah, it lifts it lifts him up and he doesn't jump. Like Holy I mean, shit. you 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 watch it and analyze Whoa. it. And we have sensors all over the place, and I'm like, <gasps> I mean, everybody when that happened, when that happened, you're sensors like, on his deck. <laughs> it gives me shivers. Yeah. We had it more on his shin. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, God. No, but I mean, it's like that. That guy has perfect. Like you know, it's he's, the art of he. He has accepted the fact that there is going to be pain and nausea and all that pain? stuff, and he has learned how to accept that. Oh, so it, there actually is – so the substance is called substance P that is released when you experience pain. And he, first of all, re- has less substance P release. But secondly, and this is true, pain in a lot of ways and in many situations, it is, there is a choice as to how much you allow it to bother you. Yeah. If you think about just getting a shot, right? Like if I if I if I walk up behind you and all of a sudden just puncture you with a needle, you're like ah, yeah. Like you wasn't expecting that, yeah. but if you expect it, it hurts a lot less. Yeah, if you yeah, know yeah. what your expectations you are, for it and, yeah, yeah. Like you, it's really a, a frame of mind. And does it hurt less because you now know what to expect, or are you have your has your mind mental just shifted its it, yeah. expectation? There's yeah. it's so mental. Hmm. Substance P. That's Doesn't true. It's a great name for it. Yeah. Isn't that the the bad guy in Deadpool? He didn't feel uh, pain. <laughs> was that what he was? Axis. What is it? What's that guy's name? Do we know? Can't remember what his name is. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. 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 Good movie. Um, okay. Good movie. All right. Anyway, we're, so the Brink of Midnight podcast it drops this week. It's dropped the dropped 15th. two days ago. Okay. The 15th. And where do people find it? You you can go to the brink of midnight.com or okay. brink of midnight.com brink of midnight podcast you go to our website at brink of midnight.com you can find it on itunes stitcher google okay. play anywhere that you find, find podcasts anywhere you find podcasts you can find okay. it it so sounds awesome yes yeah. i'm it in is, it's hopefully you guys in. are in because yeah. I, I think that you know being part of spreading positive energy is a yeah, good that's thing that's great that's great okay so we got that and you're still doing sports science yep. people keep keep an eye out for you on yep. that and it was a pleasure. It was good meeting you. We didn't know each other beforehand. Now, we, yeah. now yeah. we're old friends. And now we're, now we're old friends. We talked for over an hour and a half. I know. It's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I love it. Great, great to meet you. Yeah. Big what fan. Are you, um, what are you going to chew on the way out? 
I, I need to replenish my electrolytes. I'm going Gatorade. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go water. I only drink water. Is that all I'm you so drink? Lame. Really? I'm so lame. Are you the thing that your kids don't drink anything but water, too? No, or? I, don't, I don't drink alcohol. Okay. I don't drink like okay. sugary drinks. I just drink okay. water. Yeah. Like, okay. I'm like, all right. Room temperature water. or with ice? I, it, you know what? To me, room temperature water is it's tough to swallow. So really? with ice, you it's cold. amazing. I have a cold drink thing. Have you ever had a Big Mac? I have not had. I haven't had anything from McDonald's in probably. But in your life, you have though. In my life, I I, mean, sure. I lived on them when I'm growing up. Sure, sure. Dude, it's the '70s. Right? Like what, what else did you eat? Skittles. What about Skittles? Everything. I don't eat candy. I don't eat candy. Either. It's so lame. I mean, just, and I don't even eat processed food. It's you, so lame. You know, like, Frank is only the only thing you can <laughs> chew here is water. That's the only exactly. thing you can chew on this thing is water. <laughs> what did you chew originally? Uh, he, in the when we started out, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I was remember. chewing a toothpaste. Toothpaste, toothpaste eh? Right. He brushes his teeth. He yeah. eats toothpaste and drinks water. Yeah, that's right. the way it works. That's Dude's unbelievable. Tough. That's the Iron Man. <laughs> I'm, okay, I'm gonna drink a protein shake then. Okay, why not? Right? I, yeah, I will drink a smoothie. Okay, okay. is there a good smoothie bar around here? Uh, I don't know. Is there? No. How cross, cross street? Yeah, I'll get yeah. a smoothie. Okay, I can go with that. We okay. That. Smoothie. Okay. That's good. That's good. All right, okay. let's chew on the way out. All right. John Brankus, everybody. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure meeting you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate and um, we'll talk to everyone next week. Now leaving Nerdist.com.